You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome to From the Cheap Seats. This is Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, Air Bricky. Air Bricky. Yeah, no brick. He is uh he's knee deep in some study and trying to get his his scholar on. So uh, he won't be around. He caught that from you. Yeah, right. I don't I didn't What the heck's wrong with everyone? Brother. What are we, we going to talk about today? Well, that's a good question. We can open with the golf tournament you and I played in Saturday morning. Saturday, that was like the extent of my sports this weekend. You're in the Wyndham Open. Nice yeah, job, right. gentlemen. Yeah, we played uh played Saturday and for Lee County Boosters uh, sports program. Yeah, Lee County High School. It was a good, nice event. We and by the in. way, I looked at Dave Kaplan rode with me, and I looked at him and I said, are we old or do these coaches look really, really young? <laughs> right. Because the football coach looked really young. I'm sure he's great. He's 1-0, you know, 1-0. And David said, you're old. Well, Dave is, true. Dave is a few years behind us, too. So, you know, if Dave – Dave's perspective is worth looking at there. But, no, I want to talk first about Josh Gordon. And this might end up being a Cleveland-heavy day for us because hmm. uh, oh. I got some other stuff. Oh, no. I watched well. uh, one episode of Hard Knocks. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just to chime in, that's all I know about Cleveland. Well then, this you can you can go get a drink. In fact, you're you're on drink duty. Then I guess uh, yes. you know how much Brandon loves for us to start drinking when we're on the air. I I am tired of hearing about Josh Gordon, like for real, for real, for real. The Cleveland Browns have announced that Josh Gordon is back. Doesn't mean much because the league hasn't reinstated him yet. They haven't given him the blessing, and he's still in their drug use suspended uh, protocol. And people keep pointing back to 2013. And they're like, you know what this guy did? And it is fair to say that was a historic season he put up. He only played 14 games, put up almost 1,650 yards, 1,646 on 90 catches for about 19 yards a catch. Normally when you hear of a guy that averages almost 20 yards a catch, it's a guy that caught – 15 balls, you know, a couple long touchdowns and skewed the stats. To do what he did in 13 was huge. Since then, nothing. He hasn't played. Well, I I tend to think that he's a non-issue right now because he may be going jail to jail for uh, child support non-payments. So I feel like, I don't know if you've seen that. You looked at me like you've never even heard of that. Like, just recently it came out that he literally might miss 
the entire season because he can't pay child support. That's awesome. So just a, just another notch in his belt. That aside. Oh, that all that no, just no, no, that no, little no, thing aside. Here's 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 the question that I want to pose to you. In the last three years, he's played ten games. Nice performances and all. You're talking about a guy with about 635 yards over the last three years in 10, 10 appearances. Here's my question. In 2013, where was Des Bryant on the hierarchy of NFL receivers? Was he one of the top five? No. Probably Des, top. Des Bryant wasn't? No, probably in 13? top 10. In 2013? Okay, I'll give it to you because it doesn't matter. I think matter he was me. in the top five. Okay, so 2013, let's say Des Bryant was a top 10 receiver in football. Okay, Calvin Johnson was undoubtedly the number one receiver in football. Larry Fitzgerald was up there. Fast forward to 2018. Where's Calvin Johnson rank amongst the top receivers in football? He's retired. How does Des Bryant rank amongst the top 10 receivers in football? He can't get a job. Now, Josh Gordon is only 27, but how many reps has this guy taken in the last year? I'm sure he works out, takes care of his body. He's a relatively young man. But being a premium athlete, a superstar at your profession, requires a whole lot of work. Now, compound that with the fact that very rarely in our lifetimes – have we seen a receiver that has switched teams and maintained a superstar level of performance? There's a couple of them. Terrell Owens would be one that comes to mind immediately. Josh Gordon didn't switch teams, but he might as well have. You're talking about an entirely new system with an entirely new front office with an entirely new head coaching staff since he was there and really in the building with any regularity. So he's essentially... A free agent acquisition. Well, I think you're you're saying you're tired of him. I'm tired of hearing about him. You're it. tired of hearing about him. So my point about why he's still in the news is because other players in the league who are some of the best athletes in the world fear this guy. Forget about his physique. What cornerback has come out and said anything about this guy? I swear to God, I, I can't name one right now, but the list is... It's got to be long. I mean, even on the offensive side of the ball, people like look at him like if you've even seen him after his past summer workouts, he is like stacked. I've been following him because he's on. I was going to try to keep him from my fantasy football league, so I've been actually following him a lot. There's this huge disconnect. He's got this short circuit in his brain that won't let his God-given body do what it can possibly do he's got strength he's got size he's got speed he's feared in the league by people who again are some of the best athletes in the world but he just cannot help himself okay but my point is is we are two weeks away from football that matters in the nfl we seem to be nationally fixated on a guy who if he comes back and if he plays anywhere near the level he did back when, back in 2013, keep that in your in your head, 2013. Just five years ago. Then maybe there'll be a movie about it at some point. It'd be a nice book. 
It'll be a great comeback story. And America's all about redemption. Show a little contrition, say you're sorry, and we'll forgive anything. Unless your name's Donald Trump. Then you're well, I just think that <laughs> you're, so, a, you're a Ohio guy, though. I am an Ohio guy. I don't think there's that many people paying attention to Josh Gordon. Like, oh, my I, God. Are you, I think that – He's been listening to NPR for the last three or four days. <laughs> no, I just don't think that um, fans care. Like, media – it's just like um, I think fantasy football fans care. Fantasy football is he could gearing be a steal. up, and so I think that's you were why just saying you were trying to think if you were going to keep. Them. I have a keeper. I have him or Deshaun Watson. I'm bailing on Josh Gordon. Okay, so that in in the league that you play in, that's a seventh round pick. So you have Josh Gordon, who in terms of speed size combination is pretty impressive. Every year that goes by gets less impressive because receivers are bigger and faster every single year as we move through this this journey through life. Where is his value? What's the hierarchy of receivers in the NFL? Antonio Brown stands at the top of the mountain. Julio Jones. All right. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. All right. Who am I thinking about? Um, Who's your Bengals receiver? AJ Green. AJ Green. Definitely, definitely not Kevin, Kelvin Benjamin. But who else is he better than Demarius Thomas? That's where you start to get into the questions. Emmanuel Sanders, because anybody that anybody that is going to take Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs got paid. I, I'd take Adam Thielen from Minnesota before I'd take Diggs, frankly. And you know, Adam Thielen's a guy that just Alshon Jeffries outperforms. He's out. For um, how long? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but out. He's a Broncos fan, not a Chicago fan. So here's the question is, well, here's my statement, is you just named Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. Anybody that would consider taking Josh Gordon even, and in any way, shape, or form, lumping him into that group is out of their minds. Please come join my league. I understand what you're saying. Um, What I will say is that, the thing about Josh Gordon, Gordon, which is so appealing, both in fantasy and in real life NFL, is he can come in and win you one game or two game, two games by himself. Here's my question to you two. Sure. Would you rather have Andrew Luck or Josh Gordon? I think Luck is a completely different conversation, but that's a great question. I would much you talking about in fantasy? Yeah. I would much rather have uh Josh Gordon. What he can do for your fantasy team when he's good that week is like amazing. Okay, but Andrew but Luck can do is, the same thing. And if you get into that position where you have to play him, because I think we talked a couple weeks ago, if he was if Andrew Luck was my second quarterback because I had an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or something, and something happened and Andrew Luck can stay right. He could be more beneficial than a Josh Gordon because more than likely, Josh Gordon is not going to get to that 2013 this year. I agree. He's probably, I think that Gordon could end up hurting himself more than what an Andrew Luck could. I agree. I think that applies in more in real life. But if you had to give me two choices in fantasy, I would have to pick Josh Gordon because you have so many options. So would he be your your top 
Would he be your third wide receiver? Well, it just depends because I mean, what, what Brandon just said, everybody everywhere that plays fantasy football, unless you just really hate the Cleveland Browns and refuse to have a Browns player, and if you employ that kind of strategy, you're dumb. But everybody would say, yes, I want to have Josh Gordon on my roster. Right. You know, because if you're talking about him versus having a second defense or a second tight end or a fourth or fifth running back, of course a gamble on Josh Gordon makes sense. Well, that's the same gamble you're taking with Luck. Well, and Andrew Luck is another guy, too. There are a lot of folks going to be looking at it and saying, mm, how far can I go getting away with it before I take this guy? Because Andrew Luck, at the end of everybody's drafts, is going to be off the board. Mm-hmm. He'll be tucked somewhere as a second quarterback with people playing wait and see. Josh Gordon, the same thing. I guess the question in terms of, of these two guys is where do you take them? What's the value? Because you could get zero production from either one of these guys. I mean, you could have a very substandard, unplayable guy in both of these situations. So that's the question. In fact, maybe bigger than any of the questions out there for fantasy football players, where's the value with Luck? Where's the value with Josh Gordon? I would go against the grain with you guys and say Andrew Luck is going to give me some production. So if I have to have one of two, one of those two and not the other on my roster, it's going to be Luck as a second quarterback because Luck is going to be the starter until he's not. I Josh think, Gordon may never see the field for Cleveland. I think Josh Gordon still in the news, much to your dismay, is because of all the God-given talents that he has. And I'm searching for an, an, like an example. Like The first thing that comes to mind is L- Lamar Odom. Like... He had some good years, but all that wasted ability and talent, like way before Biggs were shooting threes. I think I, I feel like that's why people are intrigued with Josh Gordon because he's like he's like a Greek god, you know, like the body, the speed, and everything. And when he when he's on, he's like super on, and then he goes away and has like. If I had Antonio Brown, I might reach for a Josh Gordon as my second wide receiver, take that gamble. If you had that much solid production, knowing you had it at that position group, I'll, I get that. I'll finish the thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. We're talking about Josh Gordon. And Brandon said before the break that the reason people are fixated on Josh Gordon is because he's such a size, speed, freak combination of ability. I could not disagree more. I think America loves a train wreck. Johnny (laughs) Man, I I mean, look at Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, by no measurable standard, was any sort of talent or physical freak with his abilities in the NFL. And we loved watching that train wreck unfold and, and wondered, 
Often, how much worse can it get? I think we're seeing the same thing with with Josh Gordon. And people are looking, how bad a decision can this kid make? And the fact that he's playing for Cleveland just compounds it. It absolutely compounds it. It could not be a worse situation. No, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, had he gone to any other team, let me let me restate that. Had he gone to about 20 other teams, he would have been, I think, in a much better situation. Oh, he, there, there could not. I, 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 I'll go one step further. I can't think of a worse situation, NFL-wise, that he could be in right now and for this team that has just had a series of knuckleheads in their locker room over the course of the last 15, 20 years, but in particular in the last couple, now you subtract the one legit level-headed vet out of that situation when Joe Thomas decided to retire and didn't want to play anymore. Now you insert Josh Gordon back in there, possibly the most intriguing of all of the rookies, including the two first-rounders that Cleveland took this year, is Antonio Callaway. And Callaway is in trouble again after a series of missteps while he was at the University of Florida. Comes to the NFL, gets in trouble, doesn't even tell the team. And now you're bringing Josh Gordon in to bring to be the center of gravity, not just for the team, but in particular in that locker room or in that meeting room where the receivers are, there couldn't be a worse role model for Antonio Callaway. And it's just it's just a punchline that keeps on giving. So is Josh Gordon amongst the most talented, um, physically gifted receivers in the NFL? Sure. Absolutely, sure. But I don't. Well, think- and I think that I think you don't have to totally disagree with me. Everybody does like a train wreck, but what's the, what's the biggest train wreck in sports that's happened in the last I don't know twenty years? I would argue that it's Tiger Woods because he was that great. Train wreck for somebody like, let's say, Jarvis Landry, who's also on the Browns, has a train wreck. Nobody really cares. This guy is that physically gifted and fast and talented. Some of the catches he makes should not be made. And he just can't keep himself on the field for whatever reason. You know? I I, I would say this. If you look back over the history of American sports – We've had plenty of folks that either burst on the scene or were predicted to burst on the scene and have transformational impact, and then it never happened. When that goes down that way, now, today in 2018, everybody's allowed to have their opinion heard. Everybody's got their jokes. Everybody's got their memes. Everybody has, you know, their, 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 blowing the, the their fan in the fire. Whereas if you step back 20, 25 years ago, there wasn't this kind of access. Josh Hamilton is a prime example. Josh Hamilton, you were talking about a speed, size, five-tool guy in baseball. Josh Hamilton was the most can't-miss of the can't-miss product. product. There was no way this kid could not go straight to the major leagues and be a superstar. Cocaine and drug use got a hold of him, completely derailed his life. Nobody knew. Now, baseball is different than football, the visibility of college football, but nobody knew the story of Josh Hamilton until 
seven or eight years later where he finally crawled back to the to the major leagues and they're like, oh my God, what a horrible series of things you've put yourself through. Had that happened fast forward 10 or 12 years, the social media implications and the way they can give life to a story like that, Johnny Manziel, if there's no Twitter, there's no pictures of him with a rolled up $20 bill. There's no pictures released to the world by the owner of the property that he goes in and leaves piles of cocaine in the house. None of that stuff can be a real thing. We love this instant access and this ability to be commentators on these train wrecks as they unfold. So <clears throat> that's why we have the message, TMZ. The message is do not name your, name your child Josh because those are the two examples. No, all seriousness, 2017 – Josh Gordon was running a 4-3-40. Now, I don't even know how old he is. I know he had the season in 2013. But at whatever age, a 4-3-40? Who said he was running a 4-3, though? Him? No, that's, I'm reading it right now off of ESPN. I'd love to know their sources. Because there's not very many people running a 4-3. And Josh Gordon is a big fella. I've you watched wanna, him play a you significant look at it right amount now? of football. He's huge, and he's got that kind of speed. That's from 2014. Kristen Lambert's taking a look at it right now. I don't know a lot of his – I tried to look up some of his um, measurables. But this is why people <clears> – <throat> usually you're running a 4-3 even if you can run it. Your first year out of college, second year out but of college. you're talking about a 4-3. 4-3 is something that nobody runs. I mean, there just aren't 4-3. John Ross, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, set the record at the combine with a 4-2-2. Yeah, That's I had less his, than a second left at less than a 4-3. His the pre-draft measurables a, was a 4-5-2. Yes. 40. And the chances of him getting that much faster, that's coming from the team. And the Cleveland Browns, if we figured out anything about Hugh Jackson and that, for, and, and that coaching staff, they will blow smoke directly at your booty. So I'd add to see a 4-3 from a guy that's 6'3", 225, 230, whatever he is. I just don't believe it, Brandon. Okay. And, 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 I mean, if he comes out and is able to step on the field and he's that big, he can run a 4-3, it doesn't matter if he does much else. It doesn't matter about the quality of his routes. He's just going to run past people because there aren't more than two or three cornerbacks in the league that can run 4-3. So I would, here's the, the difference between I would ask, the Tiger Woods situation and Josh Gordon is that Tiger Woods had actually performed for a sustained period and established himself as one of the best ever. Josh Gordon was a relative flash in the pan who had one gigantic month. He went for 775 yards and five touchdowns in a month. Right. It was a month that was unbelievable. But there are plenty <coughs> of guys who have team. had unbelievable months. Now that – is the one thing that I'll qualify all of this by saying is that up to this point, the best quarterback Josh Gordon's ever caught passes from is probably Brian Hoyer. Maybe Jason Campbell, but you're talking about Brandon Whedon, so Johnny who's Manziel, throwing him the ball now? Tyrod Taylor. And or whether, Baker Mayfield. Either one of those. And I'm going to tell you right now that in a vacuum, I'll take Mayfield or Tyrod Taylor over any of the guys oh, that have yeah. been there in that steady procession of garbage in Cleveland. You guys done with this? I think you lost interest in the conversation a long time before. Well, I no, I mean, I it, if you do not know, Josh Gordon is like built to be one of the top three receivers in the league, then you're not watching. 
You're not. Yeah, the problem is it's been so long. He's 27, no matter that because he doesn't have a lot of mileage on his legs or whatever, he hasn't played. So it, it's tough. And, yeah, I root for him to get back to it, but he hasn't been around, you know, and he's going to be 28 this year. So – he know. just turned 27, and, and what you said may qualify. There may be people out there listening and say, yeah, well, he didn't play all those years, but he didn't have any mileage on the tires. You only get so many years of performance here. We're going to see how this unfolds. I hope that he gets back onto the field so that he can validate one way or, one way or the other whether all this um, attention has been worthwhile. I just think the situation is bad. The likelihood that he's going to go out there and blow it up for people is minimal. So take that into account, whether you're a, a fan of football, a fantasy football player, or just a, a general observer. I like the Browns. Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm always. For them. I want them to make the playoffs this year. I do too. Me too. You are, you are the, the, the Browns fan. You're the Browns fan that does not make any sense to me because you weren't burdened by birth or by geography with the Browns. You I chose lo- the Browns I wasn't, and have stuck with them. I, I wasn't the Browns. I wasn't born in so many different places that I could – like legitimately, like pull for all these teams, like Kristen Lambert. Without the Browns, I wouldn't you, have gotten slaughtered in two Super Bowls back to back. I think the that, drive, that the team, fumble, that team with Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf is like one of my favorite players of all time because he was. Had it not been for Deion Sanders, kind of like right after him or in the same time period. Eric Madcalf, and he had, had he not played for the Browns, he would have been one of the biggest names in the NFL because he would return everything. That dude, that dude was so much fun. He fun was Devin watch. Hester before Devin Hester was Devin Hester. Ernest no, Bynum. I'll tell you what, now, the Bernie thing about Fizer. Eric Metcalf is, is Devin Hester was strictly a return man. <coughs> Eric Metcalf returned punts, kicks, and they would use him as a slot receiver. They'd yeah. line him up at the backfield. He was a nice gadget player. He was sort of doing – he was Tyreek Hill yeah, before Tyreek Hill true. is. That's Eric better, Metcalf. Better analogy. And I'm sorry, but I like the simplistic uniforms too. I like the orange, the brown, the white. I like that. I don't like all these newfangled. Call me, call me old school like that. But I, that wants me to put my own hand in the dirt when I see that jersey. <laughs> it, Brandon, it's not dirt, dude. This, That's the, manure. Web, Brandon Webster Slaughter. So, manure. I mean, there's Bernie Kozar, Ernest Biner, Brian I don't Sipe. care, Kevin Mack. Yeah, okay. Clay Matthews. I promise on the other side there will be no more Cleveland Browns talk. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate. 
today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now... From Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on dance, I gotta sing, a rock soul blues. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. No more Josh Gordon. I swear, I swear, I swear, no more of that. But I do want to stay in Cleveland for a second in a roundabout sort of way. Trent, welcome back to the show. You spent the first hour, or half hour rather, as sort of a non-contributor. I want to know, Don't blame Professor me, Trent Nichols, Yes. who would your MVP in the American League be right now? I w- <laughs> it's tough. Is it really? It is to me because I think Mike Trout is the MVP of the American League. Are you out of your mind? Yes. Talk- sell I that love to Mike me. Trout. Sell that to me. Mike Trout is basically the best player on one of the worst teams in baseball, and he's putting up iconic numbers that we have not seen. Now, that sounds an awful lot like you're talking about over the span of a career, not what he's doing this year. I want to know, 2018, sell those numbers to me. Okay, hold on. Let me just just verify my stats before I rattle them off my head and look like an idiot. So right now, he's he's batting 309 this Mm -hmm. year with 60 RBIs. And how many home runs? 30-plus, over 30 home runs. About 37. Yeah. So in a team that he has no protection, he has nobody around him, he has no other all-stars on his team, the pitching's been atrocious. He has a gimmick player with him that's actually playing pretty good, but he's got to be the MVP. He won't be the MVP because the Angels are that bad. He will not. No. But he is the MVP of the American League. Gotcha. He is. Okay, let me tell you that. Okay, and maybe I'm saying this because Mike Trout is in the LeBron, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, could be the MVP every single year that he's played. Is that all? You you done? Because I'm going to tell you who the real MVP of the American League is this year. And it's on a team that's actually playing baseball that matters. (laughs) 
Because that's one of the things I look at with Trout. The Cubs? And I'm not trying to bash Trout. We're talking about American League. Oh, actually. And I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from Trout. But I'm going to tell you, Jose Ramirez is on the precipice of doing something that does not happen. All right? What's he going to do? Win the Triple Crown? The Triple Crown didn't happen. But it has now. We've just had a Triple Crown winner in the last five years. Yes. What Jose Ramirez is on the precipice of doing hasn't happened since 1932. Brandon, you want to take a you want to take a guess at what I'm talking about here? It's only happened once in the 99 years the American League has been in existence, and he has a legitimate shot to do it again. I'm looking at his stats right now. It's not batting average. No. He has a chance to lead the American League in home runs and stolen bases. Well, can I – first of all, Trout has 30 home runs versus Ramirez 37. So just stat correction there. But just think about this for just a second. He is accomplishing this at with home run. How many games are left this year, this season? 40. Yeah. We're three quarters of the way through the season. And he's got 37 Season's home runs. over at the end of September. How watered down has the home run category been? We need to bring steroids back well, to the what's game. More, right. Let the pitchers juice You know up. what's watered down is the leading stolen base leading right now only has 32. Well, that and that's a product of being in because the American League. Stolen, and that's National League. Who's who's the leader in the National League? Is it Trey Turner? Turner? Yep. And how many Turner? Hamilton has twenty nine. Marte has twenty eight. Well, it's the game has changed. And then Mar- Ramirez has twenty seven. He's tied in the American League for there, stolen base. There's a base lot right of contributing factors to that. Um, but the stolen base is not what it was. If you remember the heyday when Vince Coleman was around and and sort of you know he and Ricky Henderson and the numbers they were putting up. Tim Raines was putting up big numbers. We've kind of fallen off. Four or five years ago, you were stealing 60, 70 bags. Well, you fell off almost completely, and now you're back. And in in the last two years in particular, teams just don't want to run themselves out of the beginning. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, you need to refer to him as Rock Reigns, not Tim Reigns. Rock Reigns. That's the dumbest nickname for No, it's not. It is the dumbest name for a baseball player I bet you would say that to Rock's face. I would say it to Rock. And the thing about it is, and and I love Tim Reigns' nickname is Rock? Absolutely. In fact, he had baseball cards for a couple years printed, and that was the Rock Reigns. Maybe I have one. The thing about Tim Reigns, first of all, you want to talk about PEDs. Tim Reigns came into the league as a skinny little kid. Who was diminutive to start with, and then he turned he, into the Rock. He beefed up, but the thing about you to be called the Rock, you got to be a big dude. Yeah. Tim Ray is not a big dude. Like Tim Ray is probably four. five, but, five, but five, when he was calling was he, him five, six, when he was calling himself the Rock, that's there not was no cool. the Rock. <laughs> no, well, you it's can't, just like you can't. Get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. My nickname's gonna be what? You can't give yourself but Ricky, that nickname. But Ricky Henderson <laughs> would talk about himself in the third person. But Ricky Henderson. Was Ricky Henderson's crazy? Ricky Henderson. My favorite story about my favorite story about uh, about Ricky Henderson. You remember John Olerud that yep. played for the oh, yeah. for the Blue for Jays, the Mets. wore the batting helmet. Mets. It was the Blue Jays, right? It was the Mets. Mets and the Blue Jays. He played for the Blue Jays first. But he wore the batting helmet because he got hit in the head. Yes, he got hit in the head, so he wore the batting helmet. My favorite Ricky Henderson anecdote of all time. Oh yeah, I've heard this before. When they were at the Mets. 
They're on first base, right? Yeah, and he he came he came up to him and he's like, "Hey, man, I had a, I had a guy on my team used to wear a helmet like that. That's cool." And John Oldroot was like, "Yeah, it was me." <laughs> and Ricky was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay." The thing about Ricky Henderson, Ricky Henderson was a believer that in your lifetime you only had a finite amount of energy to spend. So you had to save that energy for yeah. when it mattered because you were going to run out of energy over the course of your life. So Ricky Henderson was notorious for napping anywhere, anytime, all the time. <laughs> right. In between batting session, batting practice sessions and, and the start of the game, he was taking a nap. It, crazy guy. Ricky Henderson, though. He was Manny before Manny. Oh, dude. But Ricky Henderson, though, man, you want to talk about productive, dude. He was next level. And he was one of the first speedsters that we saw. You talking about unicorns with Josh Gordon earlier? Ricky Henderson, he he set the record for leadoff home runs in a season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he's the, Ricky Henderson. Of course he did. I think he's leading the league. Of the course he did. Look who he history. had hitting ahead of him. Like you know what I mean? Like I mean, he he had some of the best hitting behind him. No, hitting behind I mean behind him. him. You know, what I'm well talking. for that for that span of time, Ricky Henderson was years ahead of those guys. Had in Jose. fact, Henderson was Henderson was gone by the time McGuire and Kansas no, they played a few there. years. I think I would, they won a World Series. I think he was on their World Series team. We'll, we'll validate that. I now. would I'll argue that Ricky Henderson stole bases, kind of like he had kind of the same Deion Sanders flair in football. Like he was, like, everybody knew in the stadium knew he was going to steal. Yeah, and he got the base. Yeah, he was Willie Mays Hayes when it came to that. He was let you know. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and get this. I'm gonna get this. Yes. Ricky Anderson, really one of the more uh, one of the more entertaining so, players I've ever. So seen. basically, we're talking about players who have already done this better, and I'm you're trying to sell me on baseball, both of you guys, all the time, and I'm looking at these stats, and they're like, hmm. Ricky Henderson was on. Do you think Ricky Henderson was on steroids when he was stealing all these bags? No, uh, he was probably more of a cocaine man. Yeah, probably a cocaine guy. Okay, well then. Now, but, but here's here's the thing that I want to get to with Jose Ramirez. Ramirez, outside of Cleveland and hardcore baseball fans, I'm sure you had no idea who this guy was before we started talking today. Is that fair to say? I had to look him up. Okay. What about Mookie Betts? Did you know him? Because he's actually going to win the MVP. Mookie Betts might. Mookie Betts can make a case. The other thing with with Jose Ramirez is he plays a premium position, playing shortstop. But I want to see this guy do it. I want to see him lead the league in home runs. He's one behind J.D. Martinez right now. And he's tied in a three-way tie for the league lead in stolen bases. Last time it happened, if you're a Phillies fan, be proud. It was 1932. Chuck Klein stole 38 – or, excuse me, hit 38 home runs and stole 20 bags. Managed to do it. I hope Jose Ramirez does it. I hope he also wins the MVP. But here's my thing about Jose Ramirez. Almost every one of your major sports facilities in America right now are tobacco-free. Is that correct? Uh, Is that I a fair so. statement? Yeah, except for City Field. I'm there just joking, I don't know. Somewhere, nobody knows the math exactly, but somewhere between a quarter and a third of your baseball players use tobacco on the down low, dip and chewing tobacco, which is funny because outside of baseball, you just don't see that anymore. Hmm. There are most of them that try to keep it on the down low. In fact, I saw Matt Harvey come out and pitch with a dip in his mouth a week or two ago, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know he did that. And when he came out the next inning, it was gone. Seems like I saw somebody um, drive a golf ball with a cigarette and hanging out. Well, that's a whole different animal. Um, 
Jose Ramirez, though, if you looked him up, it is most likely that you saw him with one side of his face looking like a chipmunk because he is unapologetically a chaw guy who packs his face full of tobacco. Now, my first question is, (coughs) is there an issue that these facilities for the patrons are tobacco-free, but all of these baseball players, including guys like Jose Ramirez, who do it you know, wide open like that, should there be a rule? They're not oh. supposed to. Oh, yes, they are. I there know, but no they're not. They shouldn't be. You're saying that because be of the allowed. facility rules, they shouldn't be able to do it? Yeah. I mean, if well, I'm, paying, if I'm paying all that money for that for that turf that's going in there, I don't necessarily want anybody spitting well, tobacco there, on it. Why is there a ban? What, what if a fan wants to bring in a chawl? I mean, what's the harm in that? I, mean, I think most co- places at this point, municipal facilities are tobacco-free, not just smoke-free. If you check, but you can your, still bring it in your pocket. Your yeah, you but just you can't, can't use you know. it while you're and, in and, there. And, and you know, but you they're can, not going to catch you. Well, that's the other thing They'll too. Is you if you're going to do it, if I, you know, if somebody, I don't want to because I think it's gross. But if you want to come in and you want to sneak a dip in there, as long as you're, you know, spitting in something and throwing away, okay. I don't think anybody's going to have I had issue. It. The, I mean, uh, if you're look. walking around with a Jose Ramirez size chaw on the side of your mouth, there's likely that somebody's going to say something to you. But here's my other thing with this: is we've been all up and down this performance-enhancing drug argument back forth three different ways. And we've talked about steroids. We've talked about amphetamines. We've talked about everything. We even went down a little bunny trail a couple weeks ago about how cocaine use was rampant in the 20s and 30s. Cocaine. But this tobacco, is tobacco or is it not a stimulant? It is. It is by definition a performance-enhancing drug then. Is that fair to say? And I'm not trying to be silly and say, well, you know, what he's doing is tainted. But why do we not have an issue with tobacco, first of all, which hurts the public image of, of Major League Baseball? But he can do that. What's, what's you know. Are you going to take, can they drink caffeine drinks at the game too? I mean, what no. do you, how far are we going to go? Well, that's like, my question is no why, where, why do we draw the line anywhere? No ibuprofen. Because it's been. It, you know, it's well documented that through the 70s, in particular 60s and 70s, everybody in the dugout was popping amphetamines. But we're fixated on, you know, steroids. And, and even in the case of, and I just want to throw this out there for anybody that has this wrong, Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire did not get popped, did not possess, did not fail a test, anything to do with a steroid. He didn't fail, though. No, he didn't. It wasn't steroids. Well, I mean, I think what he had was Andro. Andro no, was. I know a, what Andro is, but but it's not a steroid. But when we when that word got thrown out there, all these uneducated folks that applies to that in America scream, "Oh, Mark McGuire's steroid guy." Maybe. I mean, I've I've got a I've got a 1984 baseball card. You say Mark McGuire from the from the U.S. national team. What he looked like then and what he looked like six or seven years later is a completely well, different that's animal. My point. Jose so Canseco is the most notorious steroid user ever. But Barry Bonds looked exactly stick like just like Mark Sammy McGuire. Sosa. I mean, they all look the same. You can't tell me Andro does all that though. I'm not trying to say that, but he didn't get caught. We'll see you on the other side. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will. 
solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, as we were going into that break, you invoked Sammy Sosa into the uh, conversation. And Sammy Sosa is the most crystal clear picture. No comprende English. There's ever been. Have you ever known anybody to forget a language? No, but there's. Been I don't know how to speak of, Spanish anymore. There's been plenty of baseball players who have pretended not to speak English, and Sammy Sosa was one of them. When it came time to appear before Congress, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, no habla. I don't know." Um, Ichiro did it though, and it was kind of a running joke for years and years and years in Major League Baseball that you know he couldn't speak except through an interpreter. Whatever, dude. Johnny Cueto did it when he was in Cincinnati. I don't know if he's still doing it in San Francisco all these years later or not. But it is funny how these guys conveniently. I don't think anybody talks to Johnny Cueto, so it doesn't. Not matter. now. I mean, he's doing. How do you say? Now, so. How do you say that was my my practice bat in Espanol? <laughs> that was my practice court yeah. bat. Yeah. Right. Ricky Henderson basically played throughout the whole Bash Brothers career with Oakland. Say that again? They won the World Series together in 89. The problem with that lineup is Jose Canseco only played 65 games, but throughout the time that McGuire was Oakland and uh, Canseco was with Oakland, Henderson was there, gone there. He played the majority of his time with McGuire and Canseco. But I'll tell you what made that team sexy was Dennis – Dennis Eckersley, dude. Yeah. Dude, he made that team sexy. Well, you want to talk about a guy that was dirty. Juicy. Dirty. And, and I know that might be heretical. People are going to be, don't call me, don't email me, don't text me. Don't at but me. But it's not a coincidence in my mind that you got a guy that was a very passable at best starting pitcher, turns into one of the best, most dominant relievers in history, and he's playing on the same team with two of the most notorious steroid freaks in baseball history. Dude, you'd be Come surprised. On, I'm just saying. You'd be surprised what a mustache and a mullet will do for your game. Hey, I got you. I remember Eck back from his days as a starter with, with Boston, and I thought the hair, the floppy hair was cool then. But, uh, yeah, I just don't believe in coincidence. Here's the thing I'll say about Sammy Sosa, though. Sammy Sosa, Trent, you're, you're going to pick up on this. Brandon, probably not. But Juan Gonzalez – Juan Gonzalez and Sammy Sosa, during the bulk of their careers, became two of the most prodigious power hitters in baseball. Both Rangers. Both Rangers. See, I know baseball well, some back when it was thing, interesting. Is that they had both of these guys, both of whom were going to play right field, coming through the system at the same time. You want to talk about an embarrassment of riches. Because at the same time out there in Texas, you had Yvonne Rodriguez, speaking of steroid heads. But anyway, 
They had Gonzalez and they had Sosa, and they really didn't have room for both of them. And it was back and forth. I was living in Texas at the time, and one week it would be, ah, maybe it's Gonzalez we're going to trade. Maybe it's Sammy Sosa. And ultimately, do you remember? Anybody remember who Sammy Sosa was traded for? I can't remember, but I know who traded him. You'll remember as soon as I say. Thanks, George. He was traded to Chicago to the White Sox for Harold Baines. Oh, yeah. And Baines went on to have huge years wow. for, for Texas for a much shorter period of time because he was at a more advanced stage. That's exactly why you shouldn't have voted for George Bush because he's the one that – he was the owner of the Rangers. He's the one that got shipped. So well, so. it's funny that the Democrats have tried to say he didn't really own the Rangers, really, because for years I watched Rangers games all the time, and he was sitting there right behind the dugout in the owner's box. But whatever. No, I'm, I'm done. And had you not elected him, he'd still be the Rangers. He'd still be running the Rangers because he was a principal managing partner. All right, but my point about Sammy Sosa is that as they were coming through the system, Gonzalez and Sosa were the same type player. Sosa to an even more extreme. He was a long, slender, fast, athletic, five-tool guy he looked who like happened Julio to Franco. be able to hit – a home run every now and again. He wasn't near as big as Julio Franco. Juan Gonzalez was not much bigger than him. Both of these guys were like, these guys are athletes, you know, who happen to have a little pop in the bat. And then you fast forward five or six years, and this guy's chasing Maris and passing Maris and, you know, falling short of of Mark McGuire. Sammy Sosa's body transition was so much quicker and so much more dramatic than anybody else I've ever seen. In terms of superstars, we could talk about Steve Finley and some guys like that too, Darren Dalton. But Sammy Sosa, as far as the superstars, I've never seen anything like that. Barry Bonds, I got I got a comment I want to throw in here. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I don't want to get you off your Barry Bonds thought. My thing with Barry Bonds is that I know what I looked like when I was nineteen or twenty years, and people forget Barry Bonds came to the majors as a very very young man. He had that pedigree. With his dad, people remember Bobby Bonds, who was a great ball player. He was playing as an everyday outfielder for the Pirates at a very, very, very young age, relative to when most guys get to the major leagues. What he looked like then and what he looked like ultimately had the era and the evidence and everything pointing toward him. I probably, I don't know that I could say I believe it, but I could be persuaded that it was a matter of diet and workout regimen and all of that because I know what my body type changed from from the time I was about 19 through my late 20s and early 30s. I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. Sammy Sosa, brother, you can see that from one season to the next. Barry Bonds was a was a more gradual thing. When you look back, we talk about these guys being skinny, rail thin. Dude, I don't think people, if they haven't looked lately, understand how skinny Barry Bonds was. He was a little tiny. His head guy. even got larger. Like now, I mean, that's and that's one of the mitigating things. Yeah, when like, you're like yeah, 40, head your bigger, head did not grow. Like if you have that's to keep true. going up in cap size year after yeah, year, and probably some HGH involved. Right, I got you. I'll tell you one of the things that I was just thinking about this, and y'all can take it wherever or just leave it there. One of the reasons that I've gotten out of baseball, and maybe it's happened for more people, is that the the baseball card industry got so greedy and oversaturated oh, yeah, yeah. that the reason I know Juan Gonzalez is because I remember when he came out and had his rookie year and I had Juan Gonzalez cards. Year after year, whether it be Fleer, Tops, Upper Deck, whatever the case may be, so there were too many. 
to the point where it was not even collectible. You still collected them, but it wasn't like where you could get that return on your investment yeah. that fast. Trent. And I, I, I slowly, actually quickly, just got away from baseball because I couldn't I couldn't keep up with all the cards and the base, different baseball players. There's too many players. But cards had me in the baseball mix for years. I think a lot of us. Trent, how old are you? 41. Yeah, so you're a couple years behind us. When we were coming up, Tops was the only thing there was. Right. And then Don Russ kind of got into the game. Don Russ. And then Fleer, Fleer. came, and then it was wide open. Upper and then you Deck had, was the last one that I remember. What's it, Upper Deck? Upper Deck. Yeah. You, but Tops was the king. That's what the only one I remember. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, Tops. And, and I was a huge baseball card collector. And Tops was that. And there were some fringe things. Leaf was the Canadian brand, so you know, you'd every once in a while you'd see somebody had some. Leaf they had cards. some tight designs. Bowman, yeah, they did. Bowman was the old stuff, but it was the the arms race between Top, Fleer, Dunross, and Upper Deck that just blew everything up. And Skybox, I think, did it start as its own company and then merge with Upper Deck? Anyway, I digress. The arms race with those to figure out, you know, who can put out the most variations and artist prints and then jersey cards and bat cards and all the rest of this stuff came along. When they started on purpose doing making error cards to, like, jack up the price of certain cards, that's when I, like, jump ship. Like, when they started doing that on purpose, it was kind of neat when you would get an error card, like... A miscut. What was it? The Michael it Jordan. <laughs> when Don Russ did that first year of it, of, of of cards, it's funny you say Tim Raines. Tim Raines was actually published with two completely different cards. Two completely different photos. Same card number. Essentially the same card. But it was an intentional error where one is one photo of Tim Raines. One is the other. And it was just games like that to be played. And I remember back with Topps. Topps was a high-quality card. It was on good, heavy stock. Did you chew the gum like of I did? Of course. Oh, yeah. I, you had to, like, chew I it. Used to, what I used to do was save my gum. So it was already stale. Yeah. And I would save it in a little bag until I had, like, 30 or 40 pieces. And then I would eat it, like, 10 pieces at a Binge. time. So I had a big chaw in the side of my mouth. Ugh. But by the time you came through, five or six years later, Don Russ Fleer, all that was on the market. And the landscape had changed. But back, I mean, shoot, 40 years ago? One baseball card. That was it. And they would do – Tops did their base set, which was 600 – like 662 cards. It was the same number every year. That was everybody that they were going to print. And then at midseason, they would put an update uh, issue out that was a short print that had any of the – They we called it the traded set. And it would have the traded players, any kind of new you know call-ups that weren't included in the first set. That's how it was. Huh. That was it. And now, baseball cards, unless you've got deep pockets and a lot of patience and energy, there isn't even any point. No, it's not. They killed it for me, baseball. And then when they got into basketball, there was a time when you, if you like got a pack of basketball cards and you had – I remember being in the dealership, getting a Shaquille O'Neal, and the owner turned around and giving me like 80 bucks for it. Nice. That's pretty cool when you're a kid, but I'm sure that – same Shaquille O'Neal card is like worth like six dollars, if that. But depends on depends on what you know what it was and and who you've got on the hook to buy. It. They really should have. I know there was a big cash grab, but if they had, 
if they had like slowed it down on all the different series and the special cards and stuff like that, I think it would have kept a lot of youth in you know interested. Well, I don't think that it was. I don't think it's the card company's fault themselves. I think the fault is with Major League Baseball. Because at Major League Baseball, not given licensings to so many different entities, yeah, that's a good you point. would have had one brand. And it's the same thing with with um, uh, NBA rights and NCA rights and, and, and NFL. All right, we'll finish that thought. Follow us over the web. If you're listening on WDCC, you can find us in the iTunes podcast app. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour of From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. We are talking... All kinds of nonsense. We went for all the way from Josh Gordon through to Yvonne Rodriguez in that last uh, in that last hour. There's no telling where we'll end up as we move forward. Um, I do want to say a couple things real quick. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you very much. Check us out um, every week. Uh, the podcast is generally up Tuesday night, early Wednesday. We'd appreciate a five-star rating. Anything less than that, we would not appreciate, but thanks anyway. Um, If you're listening on the Internet somewhere, it could be WRPR, uh, could be Ironic Media, we appreciate it. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast, and um, we're pretty easy to find. From the Cheap Seats, you can find us in the iTunes podcast app. Uh, Subscribe, and we hope never to let you down. Uh, which here is kind of what you get. Brandon, to lead off this segment, I'm going to defer to you and give you freedom to speak about whatever you want to. You have 1.8 seconds. Go. <laughs> well, no, I was just, I was, thank you, Brandon. Now, Chris, back to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was dope. You missed him, didn't you? Honestly, that's how I feel sometimes, Trent. <laughs> but, uh, don't we all? No. <laughs> But, you know, I suffered through so much baseball and Josh Gordon talk. I figured I would throw out a little bit. And we need to get into college football. It seems like we we got to get into it. But I just want to throw out 
How many of you guys have seen Zion Williamson play? I have seen him play. I saw a block on Twitter of it him. Was this goaltending. poor guy got destroyed. This poor guy. <laughs> Whoever he, that kid was that he blocked, oh, my God. Well, they're playing. Is he going to be the first pick, Zion? Do you know his? Do you know how big he is? Six foot six, two eighty five. He's six foot seven, two eighty five. Golly, he! I know you're going to go the Byron Houston route. He's, he's a not meaty that boy. Tall. He's a meaty boy. But he's eighteen years old meaty and weighs two eighty five and can leave from the free throw line. That <laughs> is something ridiculous. It is whether he's six foot five, six foot eight, six foot ten. The fact that he weighs two hundred eighty five. And 285 pounds to go for the free throw line is mad impressive. The thing, I know he's playing high schoolers from Canada right now. No offense, Canada. But um, this guy also hits three-pointers. It's like uncanny. Now, I'm Chris and I have talked about this before. I heard that uh, the Phoenix Suns are tanking already to take him. I'm sure. But Chris and I have talked already about <clears> – <throat> I'm. I've never been a big Zion believer. <clears throat> I'm wondering <coughs> once he gets some real in competition ACC defense, where you don't have like the three or four step running start to the hoop. How good is he going to be? But I will say, if he's hitting three pointers and averaging thirty points a game, and still doing the same things, and he's got RJ Barrett. Right there, helping him. Thank God, Nas Little didn't go to Duke. And you know, on top of things, that team right there could have beaten most. I would say summer league NBA teams. So is is he the next darling like Trey Young was of ESPN? Without a doubt, it's already begun. <clears throat> so and who and are they going to say? They say got a, Trey... a six month head start on where they were so with Trey Young. Trey Young, except is he can play the next Steph Curry. So who's Zion? Is he LeBron? No, he's not anything. I will. I will say if you if you watch is a he an dunk, athletic version of Charles Barkley? If you watch a dunk out of the corner of your eye, the way he throws it down, you'd swear it was LeBron James. If you see it out of your periphery, but if he looks like Charles Barkley, he's even. I mean, he's not even as small as Barkley. He looks was. like Barkley that can leave from the three point line. And Barkley didn't even develop a three-point game until Ever. it was like it. Well, he he could hit he could hit shots when he was with the Suns, nah. but Zion. The guy, that, the guy that he Barkley reminds me most of, body type wise and game wise, honestly, and this is going back a ways, is probably Jerome Lane. Hmm. Remember when he played at Pitt, tearing up backboards, finished on the break like nobody's business, but after that. I'm struggling with a guy that's that big. And by big, I'm not talking about tall. That's a big, fat young man. And Duke has ample opportunity to try to get him in there, get him toned up. The thing that you said, Trent, is you said athleticism. He's not particularly athletic. That dude just has absolute springs in his legs. And not only can he jump high, he jumps fast. So he's back. You know, he gets the second and third jump in there when he's trying to rebound. But watching him play high school basketball, isolated one-on-one, when he didn't have a physical mismatch size-wise, he wasn't very impressive. I didn't think. I could be completely wrong, and he could be, you know, the next in that Jason Tatum, 
Um, Bagley. Marvin Bagley. So, line. I don't know. So, does what happened that I think happened last year, I don't know how popular this opinion is, do a bunch of Dukies stand around and watch him play like they did oh. with Bagley? That's the point I'm trying to get to. Now, if you read some of the headlines, Barrett is like really, really good out of Ontario. And how do they share the ball? Plus, when you get real defense, how does that happen? It's already been called, and think about how ridiculous this is, and a historic class coming into Duke. Think about how many great classes have come into Duke, and they're already calling it historic. Well, I mean, honestly, you could look at it and saying, well, now NBA teams really don't have to tank because you could be the fourth pick and still get one of these historic players. Look, here's the bottom line. When you look at the NBA, the NBA is a star-driven league. Picking in the top ten or the top five is by no means an assurance you're going to get yourself a star. As often as not, it's guys that are much farther down the board outside of that top five of those surefire, can't-miss, you know, these guys are going to propel our franchise-type guys. Basketball is so, so, so difficult to project, and it seems to be made more complicated by front offices who just kind of fall in love with these guys and look at potential as opposed to production. I don't care if you're one or done or not. If if your talent – and physical abilities are sufficient to play in the NBA, you will find your way to stardom as a freshman in the NCAA, period. Those guys transition and become stars at a much higher clip than these guys that we go out and we're like, well, you know, not quite ready yet, but it's the physical ability that we've fallen in love with. Name for me three or four of those guys that have become stars in the NBA. They're just not there. And with Williamson, back wasn't that to a Porzingis that, though? When Porzingis he was drafted, was a European player. Yeah, I know, but they thought, oh, he's not there yet. But yeah, because everyone was like, dude, absolutely, Jackson, you're nuts. Oh, absolutely. So, though, well, I mean, Porzingis, I think Porzingis' it, thing. I mean, you're talking about European players, and that's a different animal. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about with the NCAA. Yeah. Where it is what it is. But you look at Porzingis, and and remember how down on Porzingis was Knicks fans were when they took him. Draft was held at the Garden. They went bananas. How could you take this guy? How could you take this guy? And, you know, it's hard to get upset with New York fans when they're thinking, you know, Darko Milicic. They're thinking all this line of succession of Euros that have been taken, and they sound really nice on paper. And we let the talking heads tell us how good they are. But then we get to 2018 after, you know, Porzingis is the only one of those guys I would venture to say that's become a superstar in well, the last depends. 20 years. I get what you're saying, but like when the same five teams are getting all the best players, which seems like it's been the trend in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, maybe, maybe longer than that. You may which have five the, teams are those, though. I think it's Kentucky, it's Duke. Um, oh, you're talking about college teams. College okay, teams, I, yeah, I yeah. Okay. You're talking about players that. You didn't see coming in the in the um, college yes. coming through and becoming stars. Yes. There's a lot of those, but it's not on 
Like, what if Wendell Carter Jr. comes out and he ends up being a complete baller? In the well, what if he does? He then he got overshadowed by Bagley. But give me an example of a guy being overshadowed on his college team, even if he was in a class of, of that was chock-packed full of one-and-dones. Tell me a guy that went out there was a one-and-done that was not the best player or two on his team that's become a star in the NBA. I mean, look at Harden. Probably Vince Carr. Vince Carter didn't wasn't a one and done. Vince Carter was at Carolina for oh, three years. Oh, you're talking about one and dones. I'm sorry, yeah. I missed that part. Um, one and dones. Ah, you know, I don't know. And I, I go back just to just to throw this out there because you know we love to beat our chests up in here on from the. Oh GCs. God, here's what watching, I was right about. No, no, no. Watching um, Rasheed Wallace and Vince Carter while they were at UNC, I had a buddy of mine who swore Rasheed Wallace was going to be the best player in the NBA when he came out, and I told him Vince Carter's going to be a better pro. And I don't know why he couldn't see that. I don't know why the world couldn't see that. Well, I'm going to disagree doing. with you a little bit on that. Why is that? At the height of their careers, Rashi was much better than Vince Carter. I'm talking about – you're talking about as a pro? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Dude, when, he, when he, like, took Portland um, – when he was with Portland and took the Lakers to task, he was better than Vince Carter has Ooh. ever been in the league. He was hitting threes. Okay. Jalen Rose. He was a superstar. Nice. In the NBA, He's been sitting on that. But he wasn't the best one and done at Michigan. Yeah, he was. Chris Chris Weber was highly. Chris Weber left rated after born. his freshman year. So did Jalen Rose. No. Jalen Rose played another year without him. So did Juwan Howard, because I was thinking about him too. Like yeah. So Rose would have been the second best player okay. on that team if he came out well, with Well, he would have been if he would have been a one and done. But yes. if I'm wrong on I'm, that, I'm then I'm wrong. I'm almost positive Weber okay. was the only one that came out as a freshman. All but right, you I'm can verify Well, I mean, Jason Tatum. But that's a good one. That's a good one. Jason Tatum wasn't featured in the Duke game until well, that's the what I, mean. I didn't want to look like an idiot saying, well, Jason yeah. Tatum, was he the yeah. best? I didn't think don't he was worry the about rated it. as the best well, Duke player. Let's ask Trent, that question. You, you already look team. like an idiot, <laughs> well, thank so you. don't let's worry ask, about that. No, he's, he's straight. On that Duke team, who would you say was a better player than Tatum? I mean, surely there was a lot of hoopla with regard to Grayson Allen, but Grayson Allen was running on two years ago fumes. But, I mean, I think that's a good example. I've, I've already – in the college game, it's hard to remember all these players, but I would say at the beginning of the season, Jason Tatum was like their fourth option. Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. The Tatum coming into the season, what I'm saying is that if you've got, you know, lottery talent as a 19-year-old kid, you ought to be able to find your way into a prominent position. And maybe not the best player. It depends on the circumstances around you. But if you can't get past these kids that are a year or two ahead of you to put your skills on full-blown – you know, blast. Here's a prime example. Tony Bradley. Bradley comes out as a one and done. What Bradley, why would the Utah Jazz or anybody else think that this kid was going to come in and contribute when he couldn't even start in college, even if it wasn't UNC? But these NBA executives just always get caught up in the, well, maybe the potential's there. Well, great. The potential may be there for them to be good three or four years from now when they enter free agency and it's going to cost you a gazillion dollars to keep them around. Dude, my, I don't know. My, we were believe about, your eyes is, is we how were, I feel about well, it. Well, we were talking about – I don't even think you're – we were talking about analytics last week. Yep. Tony Bradley is a perfect example of that. Like the like how tall he is, what, what this is, <coughs> how you measure that. If you watched him play at all, he wasn't ready for the NBA well, game. It is, but to be fair, analytics also includes production. So you're looking at, you know, what do they do in these types of situations? What are the composite numbers with regard to this? But, yeah, size-speed combination, 
that's back to your Josh Gordon, you know, statement earlier. You, size, speed, combination, ability to run the floor, looking good in shorts. That's Tony Bradley. Ready with NBA ready game? Nah. See you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so we're talking about the Fab Five here on From the Cheap Seats. I don't know how we pivoted, but this has been a sort of non-sequitur type day. So We might do we'll three go. hours today. So we, it might we be might, one of those days. Four. Um, so Trent, you've you've got you've got the goods on the Michigan Wolverine Fab Five, as heralded a recruiting class as there's ever been, because they did this before the one and dones and all the rest of this. So you can go back yeah, and they look weren't at the one and dones, none of them. No, surprisingly, they did. Chris Weber left after two years. Yes, Jalen left after three. Jalen Rose and Juwan Howard left Hallwood. after their junior years, yes. which means Ray Jackson and Jimmy King stayed. Never t- I played against. I played against Ray Jackson in high school. Hmm. Nice ball player. Did you use your binoculars from the end of the bench to see how he was doing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. The crazy thing, and I've told I've told other people this story. Ray Jackson, when he played my high school team, was not the best player on the floor. The best player on the floor was Orlando Smart, who allowed himself to be bought by the University of San Francisco and went out there and kind of played in obscurity. Came back, played some... What some, are you talking about? They, they got two national championships. Yeah, not with not with Orlando on the on the, uh, on the the team. But anyway, yeah, Ray Jackson, nice ball player. Jimmy King, I actually watched him play in the Texas State Championship. Um, great player, too, in the state of Texas. In the history, the annals of Texas high school basketball, Jimmy King was there, but overshadowed by a young fella named Shaquille O'Neal. Who was in school at the same time? Yeah. So he only played one year, didn't he? Who? Shaquille. Yeah. Who? Remember Stanley Roberts? Yeah. Everybody said, "Well, Stanley Roberts might even better than this kid. Might even be better than this kid, Shaquille O'Neal." <laughs> yeah. Believe your eyes. That's my advice to these NBA front offices. And we got off on the Tony Bradley thing. Bradley is a prime example. And you knew when he declared somebody was going to take him, stick him at the end of the bench, and see what they could do to develop him. The likelihood that Bradley is ever going to become a substantive NBA player is almost non-existent. You're just not going to do it with no reps. Players don't become Clint Capella where they, you know, play in obscurity for three or four years and then burst onto the scene and you're like, oh my God, you know, this coach got in my ear and developed my game and look at me now, I'm an $80 million man. Well, Um, I think the reason you don't see a lot of those who are one and done is because they've made a deal with that coach. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know how fast someone's going to progress. 
you don't have many one and dones coming in and being unknowns. Is that that's your ma- major point that you're trying you to make? You don't have right? any one. And, you don't have many one and dones coming in that are unknown that have an impact in the NBA. That's my point. You're plenty of one and dones that get drafted and you never see them again. Right. Um, Tony Bradley being right up at the top of the list. And the only reason we're rare, Bradley, is because we're about 30 miles from Chapel Hill, and we both, you know beat each other to the phone when Bradley announced that he was going in the NBA and we're like, nah, surely he's going to take his name out of that and he's not going to pull the I trigger, think it's but just, he did. I think it's just like anything else, you know, like how certain teams will – you you brought up the Lakers. There's a couple of players that have come out of the Lakers or certain brand names where if they play just a little bit well, they get better. Everybody thinks they're better than they really are. Without a doubt. You know, like in football – NFL, whatever the case may be, like Garoppolo, he goes out there and like backs up Brady just a little bit, and then the next thing you know, he wins like what five games and gets well, more money than God. Well, Garoppolo, Garoppolo too, though. Garoppolo, at least he went and won those five games before people anointed him as God. You look back to Tom Brady prior to that. You know, first was you know you've got over the years you got Matt Castle, Brian Hoyer. Um, who was the kid that played for the Texans that came out of Arkansas? Mm. Mallet. Yeah, Ryan Mallet. Those guys, just because they were the backup for the Patriots, people then, were like, oh, they must be better than they. Who was it? TJ Barrett out of NC State? Didn't he get a job? What's his name? The quarterback. If you hadn't said that, it's definitely TJ. Anyway. Keep going. I'll think of it while you're, while you're riffing about that. No, I'm just saying, to your point, all these – the list goes on and on for New England, right? Yeah, of course. And the coaches as well. Well, and we've Even got though, the last we've got the last couple rounds of cuts coming up for the for the NFL, and you better believe that there are certain teams that because of their reputation, players you know, these other GMs are like, well, you know, just because they can't make that roster, they still must be pretty good if they made it this far. And it's going to happen. And in the NFL, it's even by position group. You know, you're like, well, Dallas has got a nice group of linebackers this year. You know, <laughs> if that's the last guy cutting that linebacker core, he must be pretty good, and they're looking at him more favorably. Like we were talking about with the quarterback situation in New England, people figured, oh, well, you know, he's been standing around Tom Brady all this time. He must have, you know, some of that must have rubbed off. And by the, by the same reverse analogy – you know, you got folks for the Cleveland Browns, and they get cut by the Browns. and like, ah, well, if you can't play there, you can't play anywhere. So it, it certainly impacts where you come from. And college-wise, it's that way. You know, if a kid comes out of Duke, normally you would expect they're going to get – well, Duke's a bad example because Duke doesn't get overdrafted. <laughs> let Kentucky me tell you, players get overdrafted. Let me tell you something. I'm a little worried about Duke, and here's why. Their players over the past couple of years – this past year being a lot worse, there's a lot of grumblings out of these players in terms of how much PT they're going to have versus how much they actually get. So I'm starting to wonder, you know, the Duke way is like, yeah, we get down there and we slap the floor, we play team ball and stuff like that. But if you get there and you watch Bagley take like 30 shots, how long can you get away with that, particularly with a player that knows that there is – a finite time on Coach K's remaining coaching Kentucky's career. Kentucky's been doing it for 10 years. No, but Kyle Brady looks like he could coach for like 30 years. Well, I mean, I mean, you asked what's the shelf life on being able to get away with that. You're not going to bring in half a dozen top shelf high school players and not at least allow them to believe 
they're going to get significant minutes and be a significant part yeah, of the offense. Calipari. I promise you, Calipari, nor Coach K, nor anybody else went and sat in one of these kids' living rooms and said, hey, you're a freshman. Uh, we're probably going to be slow to get you in there, and then you know maybe you'll become a part of the rotation. I, I feel you, but Calipari's players, even if they're like seventh on the bench, get drafted super high. Jason Tatum – it's the perfect example of this. Coach K had Jason Tatum, who dunked on LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and he could not get him drafted. And it used to be like, if you're just outside of the lottery, the Coach K, you know, the wisdom, the relationships with the NBA, all that stuff can pull them out of the murkiness of like the top 20 closer to the lottery. But when you're talking about lottery, he doesn't, unless you're like a slam dunk. He's not helping you out. I mean, well, you saw that this year, and maybe this is the beginning of the end because these kids that are in this class now had all committed before this past year's draft. And the talk was you could seriously have five Duke players taken in the first round. In the end, Duke didn't even get five players drafted. Now, Trevon Duvall, the fact that he didn't get drafted is still bizarre to me. He must have had horrible interviews because athletically, that kid can be somebody's second or third point guard. Yeah. So there's something going on between his ears. And just as soon as I think that, you know, he comes out with this with this rule change that's submitted by the NCAA and is like, I was leaving anyway. Well, that just confirms you're a knucklehead. But you look at Gary Trent. Well, I mean, how is, it, how is he a knucklehead when you bring in five more five-star players? Like, where is he going to play? Yeah, Class, he would brother. You don't, you don't have to say that. You can be graceful. And that's what kids today don't understand. There is a lot to be said for being graceful. Well, do you think Wendell Carter Jr. is a bad kid? I think Wendell Carter's mom probably needs to dial it back a little bit. Yeah, I really do. Saying things like that does not help you in executive boardrooms at Nike where they're looking at prospective faces of franchises. Be cool. Look at Jordan. We wonder, why do people look at Jordan as being the distinct number one above LeBron? Because Jordan let that mess run off his back like a duck. He was classy with regard to all of that. Mm. Now, you get in between the lines, and he'll talk trash just like anybody else. That's debatable. Give me an instance where publicly Jordan got himself in issues as a player. While he was Uh, a player. Republicans buy shoes, too. That was the ultimate way to stay out of that. Yeah, but I mean... You could just not have said anything. You they like put him isolated. On the spot and they asked, "How come you know?" I, I mean, an easy no comment. It's like don't use him as the poster child when he like by not by saying that he actually made more of a definitive statement and isolated more fans than like at the low. There is no at the one. lower end of our economic makeup. He isolated more fans by making that statement. I thought it was funny. I did too at the time, but I'm just making a comment. I mean, in retrospect, now that we have athletes that are knee-deep in politics and and taken to Twitter with their views about things, it's a different it's a different animal. But at the time, I thought that was I thought that was hysterical. I really did. And I wish more athletes kind of looked at it and, and sort of saw the world that way. But in this in this day and age where we live, where everything is black or white. And there is no room for gray or in between. We have an expectation for everybody to make a stand on their principles, whether they have 
distinct principles or not with regard to a particular issue. Well, we're splitting, we're splitting hairs right now with Coach K because he's probably the best that's ever done it. But I just see a change. You love saying I, that. I see a change in how his players perceive him. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the whole um, Kawhi Leonard, Bruce Bowen, Pop, there's a change in the culture there where, like, oh, you know, Kawhi Leonard said, nah, I'm about to get my money up in here. Like, and Bruce Bowen, I guess, I don't know what kind of sacrifice he made, but he's he's acting like there's some Spurs way. There ain't no Spurs way. You had the Admiral. You had Tim Duncan. That's the Spurs way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because y'all are good. Y'all could make comments like that. But I think the same thing that goes for Duke. I now you got you Duvall. You got like Wendell, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. They're starting to go, nope, I was sold a, a bill of goods on how much I was going to play. And I, I wouldn't have gone back there either. Anyway, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, here's the thing with Wendell Carter Jr. Is that when Wendell went through the recruiting process and was signed. He was Marvin, there first. Okay. Why was he there first? Marvin Bagley was not in the recruiting process. He hadn't been declared a senior. He decided to grade up. So when Wendell Carter Jr. was recruited, Marvin Bagley was not an option. He was a latecomer to the game. We'll finish that on the other side. you got half an hour left. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. If you're anywhere near downtown Sanford, North Carolina on Wednesday night, come on out to Libations on Chatham. I will be hosting trivia there. Guys, I need a category for this week. I need a category. We kind of got into the trying to project a week ahead and all the rest of that. Holidays screwed it up and all the rest. But I need a category. I'm thinking, I need your endorsement on this. I'm thinking NFL quarterback roots. And I want to ask questions about where these quarterbacks have come from. I think that's a good one. You like that? I like that. Okay. Like, yeah, you don't mean to spoil one because no, I mean, you can give it away if, if you've made it an hour and a half into the show I'll give you one all right most I, people can most I give sports one fans know that Russell Wilson graduated from the University of Wisconsin 
He's a badger for life. He's a badger for life. But where did he originally play college football? Caltech. His the, the clue is is anytime he's talking during the lineup, you know how they get up and they say, "I'm you know blah blah blah. I'm from the U, you know, or yes. I'm from the Ohio State." His his comment is that I'm from the whole pack of Badgers. That's what he says every time he gets up there in front of the. So that's your clue. Are you going to give it up or? Oh, I'll go ahead and give it up. He started at NC State. Yep. Got run out of there in favor of Mike Glennon and, and went and finished up at, at Wisconsin. Biggest so, mistake of ever. Like uh, actually, it's a big one. It's a big. He one. he was in the Heisman race that year. Yeah. And he got beat by two Hail Marys that year. That could have that totally wiped out his Heisman race. One of the ones that's tricky for me is Dan Marino. Like, Dan Marino seems like he should have played for somebody in the Southeast or in California or something like that. Pitt, Pitt doesn't fit. Pitt does not fit. No, no it doesn't. And and he had that, that sort of perm thing going on there. It, no, definitely doesn't fit. And we all associate him down there at South Beach playing for Miami. You know, easy going, whatever the case might be. But, yeah, Pitt – you, you, that's just not what you think about when you think of Pittsburgh is Dan Marino. But I'll say this about Russell Wilson. I just want to get this in one more time. I've watched Baker Mayfield play preseason football now, <coughs> and people are jumping on that bandwagon left, right, and center. First of all, the ceiling for Baker Mayfield is relatively low. He does not have a big enough arm that he's going to stretch the field and scare defenses with consistency. The second thing I'm telling you, that scrambling around backyard football look that he gives when pressure comes in on him, it will not translate. Russell Wilson can get aware with that. But I promise you, if Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield were in this studio right now and we set down a live chicken on the floor and said a million dollars to the one of you that's going to catch that chicken, Russell Wilson would have it in no time flat. He is a superior athlete. Baker Mayfield is not. Well, Baker also, Mayfield's the consummate scrappy kid. Well, also, Russell Wilson came into the perfect the perfect situation. Like Seattle's defense just magnifique. Mwah. What is Baker Mayfield coming into? He had to into? beat out Matt Flynn. Come on. Well, you know, it's funny you say Matt Flynn because they signed Matt Flynn to what at the time was a huge deal. Oh, it was deal. big. Because Coming he out threw of, for 500 yards in one game right. for Green Bay. In, in Green Bay. And Matt Flynn was installed as a starter. And there are not very many front offices in the NFL or in any major sport who would have the stones to say, you know what, we know we paid you a gazillion dollars. You're going to go ahead and have a seat. Where did Matt Flynn go to college? Matt Flynn went to LSU. Oh, we could play this game all day, brother. Dak Prescott, I don't know. Mississippi State. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's a nerd. Drew Brees. He's a nerd. Purdue. I don't know any more quarterbacks. <laughs> Case Keenum. Houston. Trevor Simeon. Ooh, Trevor Simeon, Northwestern. Oh, damn. Eric Kramer. NC State. I told you that. I teased you that last week. Kirk Cousin. Michigan State. I bet Come you, on, Ma- guy. I bet keep, you Ma- keep it coming. I bet you Matt Flynn would have handed it off to Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you got any more? Andrew Luck. Stanford. 
That's easy, man. Come yeah, on. Softballs. You're, y'all are out of gas. So now I've completely lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Jacoby Burkett. NC State. That's NC State, yeah. Um, what were we talking about? I, dude, I we're talking about oh, we're talking about we're talking about Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. Nah. Let's get back to your yeah. You, you're talking about Russell Wilson Baker going Mayfield into go the to perfect, perfect, perfect situation um, because he had a great defense. He had Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch as a safety net. They had a nice offensive line at the time too. Russell Wilson came in, didn't have to do too much, made a play here, there, wherever, and now has transformed. My question to you guys. And this is just out of left field. It just occurred to me. Russell Wilson, Hall of Famer or no? Without looking at his numbers, I would say just outside. Okay. Trent? I would have to say he may need one more Super Bowl win to do it. Wow. So he won one, should have won a second. And you guys say he's on the outside looking in. Yes. Okay. I mean, give I think, me give me an example of a better Super Bowl winning quarterback that's in the Hall of Fame, better than Russell Wilson, somebody that won a, a, a world championship and is not in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not trying to be salty. I'm just I'm just riffing. I'm trying who's, to figure who's out. not in. Yeah, give me a give me a quarterback that is better than Russell Wilson Oof, that won God, a quarterback I mean, or that, that won a Super Bowl. But is not get, get, just give me an example. Oh, uh, Flacco. Uh, Flacco's not eligible yet. Flacco had you have uh, to retire okay, first. Well, you got to give me all the okay. A, a better quarterback that is Hall of Fame better. eligible that won a Super Bowl but is not in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning. Eli's not eligible. He's got to <laughs> retire first. Oh, so they got to be retired. Damn. Um, yeah, I'm thinking from a historical standpoint, and I'm not. I'm not trying to like prove a point here. I'm just thinking because the only one I could think of, maybe right off the top of my head, maybe Doug Williams. I don't think he had a better. But Doug Williams than didn't Russell have Williams. the body Russell of work. Wilson. I don't think to get in the Hall of Fame. And is Doug Williams? Okay, is I'm Doug confused. Williams in the Hall of Fame? He might actually. I'm, be I'm actually confused. Be. Better than Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl, but is, is not in the Hall of Fame. Right now, yeah. um, Peyton Manning. Not eligible yet. Got to be retired five years. Five years. Oh, let's see. This is an impossible question. Try me. Dilfer. Dilfer wasn't – you can't really think Dilfer no, was No, I'm better. just saying. He was a good quarterback well, I could think of. the quarterbacks because maybe we're going to stumble on one here. Uh, God, he didn't win a Super Bowl, though. Is Donovan in already? Mitchell? No. Did he didn't win one. Yeah, he didn't win a Super Bowl. He and Tio went to one. Russell's got that appearance. Neil O'Donnell. O'Donnell better than Russell Wilson? His career was better. Oof. He won a Super Bowl. How are you feeling about that, B? Neil O'Donnell better than Russell Wilson? No, no, no. I have to disagree. Russell's better. I have to disagree. Neil O'Donnell was sort of the caretaker for the Caretaker for who? This is a really good question. Did O'Donnell win one as a starter? Yeah, he won one as a starter. The beard. He had a beard. Did he really? Yeah. Who did they beat in that Super Bowl? The Redskins? No. I'll have to look it up. Look that up. My crap's not loaded. I think this you is, just made I'll, that I up. will tell you this. Neil this O'Donnell was a starting quarterback in, an, in, a, in a Super Bowl in one. Yeah. That is completely erased from my brain. Actually, you know what? He might have been the starting quarterback 
in the AFC Championship that the Broncos beat them to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think O'Donnell. I don't think O'Donnell got to a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. This is a really great question. Y'all are just got, that, y'all bailing well, no, on my the, question. The, no, the thing is, is it's a really good question. Had you mentioned it before we got on air, because it would have given us some time. Well, yeah. Now my this stuff's is kind of tough. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to set y'all up. I'm just asking that question because I asked the question: Is Russell Wilson a Hall of Famer? And when you look at Hall of Fame, the first thing is you have to have the numbers. Okay, mm-hmm. but the second thing is, you know, you always qualify that. Well, and all about what you didn't, you know, winning a Super Bowl. And I just don't know. I can't think off the top of my head of a better Super Bowl winning quarterback because that is the ultimate measure of a Hall of Famer. I'm going to tell you right now, Eli Manning, there's there's question. Well, is he going to get in? Is he going to not get in? First of all, Eli Manning played in New York. He won two Super Bowls. His mind is going to the Hall of Fame, period. You write that down. He may not get in the first year he's eligible, but he will get in. There is no doubt in anybody's mind. Anybody that thinks differently is confused. Now, as far as your living quarterbacks, your your, your guys that are, and I say living, but I mean in the league, let's look at the best five quarterbacks in football. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Locke. Locke, Super Bowl winner. Ben Roethlisberger. Multiple winner. I just came up. Never mind. Ben Roth, yeah, big Ben. Brady, obviously. I don't know how we didn't start. Is with Mark Rippin better? No, Rippin was a journeyman. I mean, Rippin played. Rippin, Rippin was one of those guys. You think back to those Washington teams during that era. That was the Joe right, Gibbs Hogs era. Let me give you somebody who's better but didn't win the big one. Yeah, give it. Steve McNair. Okay, Steve McNair did not win. Never one, even win. Which does oh, no, not. He no, he went. He lost. Yeah, Remember, it was the yard. He did. He the ran, yeah, in the, against the Rams. Oh. Kevin Dyson reaching, couldn't quite reach the ball across the goal line. I remember. But what does that have to do with better quarterbacks that that have won a Super Bowl and are not? But that's team? see, that's the hard thing. Bill O'Donnell like lost a Super Bowl to Troy Aikman. Yes. Sorry, my bad. Yes, I did know that. That was Larry Brown, where Larry Brown had a couple interceptions and parlayed that into – he was the Super Bowl MVP that year. Yeah. And Larry Brown signed the next offseason – or that offseason with the Raiders for a gazillion dollars – and didn't even play out the contract. He was was Phil Sims better? That's a good one. Phil Sims is good. But see, that's what's tricky is better and winning a Super Bowl. That's why this is such a hard question. Well, that's and that's my point is that um it's measurable. Winning the Super Bowl is the thing we always hold against quarterbacks. Ken Anderson. I know you guys get here tired of me invoking Bengals. Ken Anderson led the league in passer efficiency four different times. Nobody's ever done that and is not in the Hall of Fame. Where did he go to college? Augustana State. Damn you. Um, (laughs) Ken Anderson, the reason that everybody throws out there, you never won a Super Bowl. He took the Bengals to the Super Bowl in 81 as a huge favorite and lost to the 49ers. Ken Anderson has never gotten in. I agree with you 100%. See, here's why this question is impossible. Hostetler, this is no, not better. Was good See, the not time. better in the Super Bowl is what was so tricky. What about Jim Pluckett? He's not Plunkett, better. Right? I don't know that. I don't know that Plunkett had enough longevity because Plunkett, if if you he remember, won two Super which you Bowls, don't, though. Plunkett, Plunkett came out of Stanford as the first pick in the draft. Who drafted him? Anybody? Bueller? Not Bueller, Oakland. It's not Bueller? The, the Patriots. Patriots took him number one as a Heisman Trophy winner out of of. Out of uh, Stanford, he was a bust, a complete one hundred percent bust. 
the Raiders, as they did during that time frame, pulled this guy as a street-free agent and brought him in to be their starter, and he led that team to a title. I would have to look and see how many years he was actually even a starter in the NFL. But Plunkett is is one that might be worthy because Plunkett, in his day, there for three or four years, was one of the better There's quarterbacks in the NFL. There's only ten quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl that are not Hall of Famers. We, I think the only one that I would give say us was better. Well, it starts with Jim Plunkett. All right. Uh, Joe, Jim McMahon. Definitely not Phil a Hall Phil Simms. Doug Williams, Jeff Hostetler, Mark Rippon, Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, and Peyton Manning. Those are the only ones that are non-active. So Peyton Manning's in the Hall of Fame. Brad Johnson's not. He's not better than Russell. No. Trent Dilfer's not. He's not no. better. Hostetler, Rippon, not. Doug Williams, not. Phil Simms, maybe. Jim McMahon, not. Jim Plunkett, I say yes. Joe Theismann, dude. Oh, is Theismann not in the Hall? Nope. Are you kidding me? Nope. Wow. We'll examine that on the other side. Maybe you finally cracked the code. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Well, there's no way to, there's no better way to end a segment than to find out you would have lost your ass in a bar bed. I, I would have sworn Joe Theismann was in the Hall Joe of Fame. Joe Theismann was drafted in 1971, round four, pick 99. Oh, I'm not asking. I'm not talking about Theismann. I want to know if I'm right, if Plunkett was the number one. Oh. I know Plunkett won the Heisman at, at Stanford and then fell on hard times. Round been, one, pick one, 1971. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken. By the New England Patriots. I'm not mistaken, and, and I don't want to put this on him if it's not, but I think there was some alcohol issues going on with him. Um. But, yeah, so we may have our answer. Theismann, I would have to say, given his body of work. Joe, Jim Plunkett play, played for 16 years. But how many different teams? Because he was all over the place. Three. But what he, what what he, he, wait, wait, 16 years in the NFL? That, yeah. Career history. New England Patriots, San Francisco, and Oakland slash Los Angeles Raiders. 16 seasons. And how I many think, career yards did he have? Uh, 25,000. Okay, so also, 16 years, 25,000. You're talking about 1,600 yards a season. But he was also MVP of the uh, game against the Eagles in 81. Yes, with the Harold Carmichael, Ron Jaworski, Eagles. So what – how much – AFC Rookie put, of the Year, 71, Comeback Player of the Year, 1980. Yeah, what happened between 71 and 80 is the question. That's where the issue he is. He played for New England from 71 to 75, San Francisco from 76 to 77, and then 78 to 86, he played for Oakland. I, I got you. I want to know what he did during those years, Trent. Oh, he played football for those teams. Why are you oh, yelling geez. at my man? 
Because he's being a knucklehead. Hall of Fame debate. I have Look, no doubt I can that he was on somebody's roster. Chris, I want to know how he performed. Chris, I can promise you that Trent Nichols scrolls and searches faster while talking than you do. <laughs> you go into some comatose, like, you, it's like if you turn a shark up on his belly guys, in the water. You you're like, gone. Because I'm not looking at stats. I'm looking at porn. He's never voted to the Pro Bowl during I was just career. That was my next question I was going to ask is how he many Pro Bowl He was never selected as an All-Pro first or second team. Interesting. Similar debate to Ken Stabler, who never won a, uh, a, a Super Bowl, but... After he died, many years later, he got into the Hall of Fame. Stabler did, and Stabler was one of those that probably should have been in a long, 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 long time before he got in. I'm saying two people are better than Russell Wilson. You're going to say Theismann and Plunkett? Yeah. I'm going to say I'll go with Theismann. I can't give you Plunkett. Can't do it. I say Theismann shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he played in Toronto for the first year. He did. He's one of those guys that came down from the CFL. Where did Theismann go to college? Uh, University of something. Sure, what Notre Dame? Oh yeah, New- Notre Dame. He did. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I give you one. You give me after ten of those, and I got them all right. I give you one softball. I know where John Elway went to college, buddy. Tight. That's it. Tight. I know where Troy Aikman went to college. Tight. I know what baseball team drafted Troy Aikman. Where did and Troy? John Elway. Uh, here's the there's the question. Where did Troy Aikman go to college? UCLA. Where did he go before that? Uh. Because he was a transfer to UCLA. Merriam. No, oh. Alabama. Nope. I don't remember. Oklahoma. Damn you. Barry Switzer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember that. See? Yeah. Now, I am looking at your hat because it's very interesting that you have a, a um, golf made arrow burner hat on because Brandon and I had a – I would say it was a miscommunication, but it wasn't a miscommunication. I screwed it up. I went to Dunham's in Sanford this past weekend, and I was – buying golf balls and I wasn't in any particular hurry so I swung by and I was looking I was like man I've had my driver for a while let me see what they got so I picked up a TaylorMade and I'm playing with it swinging hitting imaginary golf balls and I'm thinking it's the R8 so I get back and Brandon who is the only guy I've ever known that has broken not one but two drivers Hmm. during the time I've known him crack in the face which says something about the amount of torque that he's able to to generate with his golf swing, right? But he's been he's been in the market now for a for a new driver forever. I love my driver. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hit it pretty nice. Well, I tell him there's the R8 there at Dunham. He rolls out to get one, calls me from the store, and he's like, "I can't find an R8 anywhere." And you know how helpful the Dunham staff is oh about golf equipment. Oh, geez, they're like there is an off air story. There is an off air story he's got to share with you that will that will crack you up. Actually, this is like in our second hour. So it is in our, our second hour. So, minutes. all right, we'll finish it up after we after I let me let me finish, and then you can close the show with the story because it is pretty funny. So, what they have there is the arrow burner, and he starts calling me. He's like, "I don't see the R eight here anywhere," and I'm like, "Okay." Well, he gets the arrow burner, and he's like, ah, "I'm going to get it anyway." And he comes out, and we play Saturday. And I am here to commend you. We talk a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. 18 holes worth of Brandon Atkins on Saturday. I have never seen him hit the driver that well, that straight. He probably hit 13 out of 14 fairways. Damn. I mean, I think that's been, being a little generous. Really? Yeah. 
I, well, I really don't. And I'm not trying to be his hype that, man here. Nah, I think it's a little generous. But, like, we're out there playing with Kaplan. We're out there playing with Ed Snyder. A 65% Ed Snyder. And <laughs> and Krista Lambert, when he hits it, and he gets that ching, he can hit it about I'm, as far as anybody. I'm about as long as those guys, but I am nowhere near as consistent Sometimes or straight as those guys. it's really so. long into the pines. <laughs> But you know, I, I, to complain about golf, you got to play more and stuff like that. And I was really mad about my driver. I broke it. Chris is still mad because he wanted to video me throwing it into the pond the last time I played with it. And and just to just to validate what he's saying, he didn't break it like he you know took it out in the parking lot. He broke it hitting a golf ball. So there's that. And yes, I am very very annoyed. That when you decided, hey guys, watch this and threw it in the lake, I really would have liked to have that on video and had that dressed up. But I didn't say, hey guys, watch this. I said, freaking frack it, freaking frack it, and like threw it in there. And I blame, mostly I blame uh, the Sanford Golf Course for not carrying Four Loco in their coolers in the clubhouse. That would be nice touch. But yeah. Um, I went and got this, what is it called, the aero burner or something like that with yes. the stiff shaft. I need to work on my flexibility and all that stuff, but my the shaft was way too flexible. It was like an old person's shaft, mm. right? You don't want to have the shaft of an old person. Yeah, it never stiffens let me, up. Let me, Those old people. Thanks, Trent, for getting my job. <laughs> I love how Trent takes, a, like, could it easily be mistaken for just normal talk, and he takes it to that next left level? Yeah, Trent always lives eat camped out. I live in, in the, other the gutter. Yeah, he stays even, there. I don't even see the PC line from where I stand. It's like, <laughs> but you gotta hustle so you can tell your story because it's it's classic. Well, we might keep going for a little bit if you guys are gonna be around. We might do a little. Man, I'm trying here. to go get drunk. I gotta pick up a puppy. We can do that right here. You sure it's not a baby tiger? Maybe. All right. I'm going to try to it's fit this in right now. bigger than a baby's right arm. So I went into um, – <laughs> I went – so I went I'm, – I'm in a scramble. My you puppy is bigger than a baby's arm. I kind of figured that's what you were He's saying. He's a pug. His name is Hodor. Hodor. He's a brindle pug. He looks like freaking Hodor from Game of Thrones. I love him. I haven't seen him all week. I need to go pick him up. <sighs> All right, so you went into Dunham, and you were uh, wiggling your old man shaft. Well, no, see, since since I didn't have a driver, it's like against the rules. There's an unspoken rule that you don't show up and go, man, I don't have my driver. Can I borrow yours? Yeah, I, you don't do that. Tiger's done it like three weeks in a row. Yeah, But, yeah, but he's Tiger. I'm, <laughs> I'm Brandon. So anyway, I'm like, you know what? I've been putting it off. I've been trying to get to Raleigh or down to Southern Pines, getting a driver. Haven't had time to swing it. I'm like, I'm just going to go to Dunham's because my really good friend said that there was R8s there. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. They're not there. Four Loco was in full effect when Krista Lambert was at Dunham's. That's a possibility. So anyway, long story short, so I'm on the phone with him. I'm I'm just going to get this Arrow 8, Arrow Burner. It's really stiff, felt good in the hands. I, I get it. I need a putter. I get a putter. I go up to the front to pay for it, right? You needed a putter too. I needed a putter. He's been using my putter for <laughs> his putter five is years. right over there. <laughs> yeah, his putter's right over there. He can take it home if you want. Um, 
In fact, I might take it back because the way I putted this past weekend was pretty horrible. Anyway, long story short, I go up there. There's two very nice young black men. I'm a 44, about to be 45-year-old white man. <coughs> I've been described as looking like Arn Anderson from The Four Horsemen. <coughs> True story or not, Chris? True. Taller, though. So I go up there, and I got two golf clubs in my hand. I'm going to buy you an Iowa shirt, Iowa wrestling. <coughs> Sorry. Y'all are choking me up. You're bigger than a baby's arm. You just messed me up <laughs> the last 10 minutes. Sorry. But anyway, um, I go to pay, and the young black gentleman and the other young black gentleman are talking, and I go up. And he's like, do you golf? I'm like, well, I like to. I like to go out with my friends. I'm not very good. And he goes, well, we got a coupon back here. Hold on. Before you before you finish, I want you to – so that you, you make it clear to everybody – one of these kids is going to be called cashier. The other one is sidekick. Sidekick. There he's, we go. He's there watching the clock, talking. They're talking about what you doing this Saturday getting night. Getting paid like, or what? Yeah. Getting like, paid I mean, to he's, watch the clock? He's over there. He's about to restock some shells and stuff like that. So we're both talking, and he goes, well, I got some coupons, but i got to ask you a couple of questions. And I'm like, yes. What is it? And he goes, well, who's your favorite golfer? And I'm like, well, I like, I, I like a few different ones. He goes, well – for this coupon, let me let me ask you, do you like Tiger Woods? And I said, of course, man. I mean, who doesn't like Tiger Woods? Especially now that he's the you know comeback story. And he goes, well, how much do you actually know about Tiger Woods? So clearly he's asking, you know, a, a middle-aged white man about what is, where's your loyalty, your level of loyalty to my, you know, my favorite black golfer. And I say, well, man, I, he asked me a question. When's the last time he win? I think I got it right. He comes back and goes, um, so what, after numerous questions of both of them asking, he goes, so what happened to his game when it went downhill? And I just looked down at him straight in his mind, in his face, and said, because he was messing with a white woman. Oh! And the thing about it is, I didn't know what to expect because – you know, he halfway I, thought he was going to get his ass kicked in Dunham's. And I got to tell you about how that ended up. I mean, it was hilarious after that. How much did you get? How much big discount? It was a big one. It was the big in-store <laughs> discount. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, the the Indians are running the reservation or something. I don't know what just happened. But, part uh, five, part five. Part five. Wow.
I'm going to need another you four loco to do another half hour, man. This I, is like the bonus track wow. on a CD. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Should we should we leave like three minutes of silence you between have the to. last and the, you have and the to. bonus? Okay, ready? Everyone be quiet. That's all I can take. Okay, now we're back. I think nice. Nine Inch Nails did that. There's a couple of Oh, them, there's, pl- no, there's plenty, man. Yeah, plenty. Just don't play Blowfish, a s- uh, uh, jars of clay. I think if you play the show backwards, it has Trent going. I like the Cubs. No, <laughs> no, no. It says Satan is savior. I'm sure of it. No, but you know, just not. to finish that story off, when I <laughs> Trent, did, I had a nerve. Mister Mind in the gutter didn't like that a bit. He's like, no, 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 no don't even play. No Satan. No Satan up in air. Don't play that. I've never seen you react like that. No. No, 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 no. Very self-righteous of you. I hit a nerve. We found his We found his tipping point, B. Satan. <laughs> I can't tell which side of it is. I, yeah, all, I don't know. He's, I the think way he's saying There's part of me that's like, I, I think he reacted like, don't say that unless you're serious. You're just lucky it's part five. Ah. Well, just to put this some context on my Dunham story is the sidekick <laughs> kid ran laughing up the aisle and then the main cashier said oh I was going to give you a coupon now you're going to get the coupon <laughs> he got the and friends he and family hookup so he hooked me up big time wow. so anyway um, he's downplaying it too because that was the first thing I asked well what was the bit? what was the the um, what was the 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 the, the <laughs> Discount? The discount? That's that word, that D word. What was the discount? He told me. I was like, God, no. How much is it? 40% off? I can't really say. Something like that. I don't want to say. I'm trying to get anybody fired. Well, I'll just go over there and trade them wings for a driver. Shit. Well, I will say this. I am the market for a new sandwich. Just saying. I will say Dunham's. You walk in there and they're like, you come up to the counter. You don't have to have coupons. They're like, we got coupons. Yeah, they no. So they, and that's that's the truth too. Because I just did. They did the same thing with golf balls. But as to weird B Dubs, it's funny and and good looking out B Dubs. I, I mean this. This is for real. To your corporate folks, you can tell call and tell them they got a big thumbs up for me. You know, how many of you guys are in some sort of loyalty program with? Uh, you know, with a bookstore or a restaurant or whatever the case might CVS. be. CVS. CVS. Like yes. credit cards. Credit cards. Oh, you, that's perfect. That's perfect because you just went through this with expiring points. Yeah. Kinda. I got an email. Yeah, kind of. I know. I got an email last week and it was from Buffalo Wild Wings. And there was a significant order placed where I bought like, I don't know, $500 worth of wings not too long ago. Damn. Dang. Must not be my sp- yeah, it was yours. Down it was yours. You remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you remember. Well, I got an email, and I i mean, I go to B-dubs with regularity, but I never use my points. I just keep racking them up. I'm like a point hoarder. Well, I get an email from B-dubs, and it says, hey, you've got 5,000-plus points that are going to expire within the next 30 days. Never, ever, 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 ever. Ever, ever? Have I gotten any kind of notification from a loyalty program Forever, that, ever? hey, we're about to get our wow. free stuff back from yeah. you? And B-Dubs did. And I went and I redeemed them and everything was cool. <laughs> and I spent 5,000 plus points, which was a lot of chicken. It is a lot of Yeah, that's but big. That's big. Kudos to B-Dubs. And that should be a shout out to 
anybody that's got any kind of loyalty program, don't jack people with their points. And I there's do. nothing pisses me off more. Pretty soon, B-Dubs points. You'll be able to redeem them at Arby's and B-Dubs and... Wendy's. No. Arby's and Wendy's are ranked by the same parent company. No, they aren't. Yeah. Dude, Trent knows How much you want to bet? About. It's you just Arby's bet? and uh, B-Dubs own each other. We're all Inspire brands. But what else? And Trent, guess you what? Know what you're talking about. We're ready to start betting on sports. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. Cash money? Paid Once, from yeah. behind the bar? Well, no. Because that happens all over anyway. No, it'll be it'll be in an account like at DraftKings or whatever. You can go in there and gamble once it's legal in the state. Boom. God, wow. you know what? Go I was trying dubs. to coming up with an invention, and they've already done that. Right. B Dubs is ready. We're what I want to tell you is, I do appreciate bar. I do appreciate B Dubs because typically people sell you on points programs, and they want you to forget about it. Oh, without a doubt. And it's like you know that's cool that you got alerted. I told you about my credit card. People were that I had three years worth of points, and they said the woman on the phone said, "Nope, you're not getting it." And I said, "Watch this. Go ahead and give me your superior." And I came back. I'll be back in five minutes. And I came back to her, and she's like, "Okay, you got these points." But, now. Hey, but the fact that you had to do that, the, I, I I really mean that when I say it because I, honest, there was no chance I was going to use those points. No chance. And I was riding down and got the alert. And honestly. I'm not even gonna lie. Had it just been the email and I not gotten the alert right then, I probably wouldn't even read it. But the fact that y'all did that, and I say y'all like you're sitting in the corporate boardroom, but you B Dubs as a as a franchise as a corporation, good for you guys. That was pretty awesome. You're talking about a credit card company. I'm just gonna put one on blast. Southwest Airlines, y'all can kiss my ass. <laughs> Southwest, as many miles as I spend. Sending my kids back and forth on Southwest and my wife and I traveling to do what y'all did to us on those points, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. I'm still going to fly you because you're still the cheapest fare. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you still those kiss my points, butt next those, time you see those, me. Those, those doggone miles, I'm still upset about those miles. I'm just going to say Southwest, I got you. Southwest system in terms of – do they still do the line thing where you're yes. going to be in – but it creates like this class warfare. Oh, it's awesome! <laughs> like people I, are I looking at it. you, like, are you supposed to be in the A line? Yes, like, I mean, because they line them up A one, A two, B one, B two, B three, and they get all the way down to, like E three. And you know, if you're at E three, you done messed up. You might be. You, you might, might well be a sitting seat. in the laboratory. Yeah. You no might doubt. if you're down to E three, you might get. Stoned by all the upper class waiting for the flight. <laughs> They're going to be spitting on you and throwing. It's, it's possible, but I have had my children, because I fly my kids back on Southwest all the time, and I have had my kids who like sh- try to shame me when they're like, C2, really? <laughs> and I'm like, get a fucking job. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, can't you always go in there and try to improve your situation like after the flight's booked or no? You can try, and the and the automated check in that they send you from Southwest that's money too, because they send you the alert and it's it's yeah, like twenty four like hours first in come advance. first serve. Yeah, yeah, that alert hits, and in. as soon as that alert hits, you can book. And the better the you know the faster you are on it, the better you're going to be. But dude, look, you guys are making an hour ten minute flight back to Nashville. You're asking sit wherever they sit you. 
I'm getting the cheapest fare out there, period. Okay, so I've already talked to Trent about this. We're going to try to make it work. He's invited to our fantasy football league. Yeah. It only feels right to have at least – we're going to have three people in the room now when we're doing the show um, in the same league. I'm planning on getting some B-dubs, but I've also heard about that. What's that place that's got wings over there with the old Sonic? Starhouse! <laughs> Say Ooh. it so I can understand it. Starhouse. Starhouse. Okay, so Bro. we're going to be getting a couple you of different... Go to, you, hey, I, all I'm going to say is, from an economic standpoint, <laughs> quality versus dollar spent, Starhouse might be kicking your ass. What is Starhouse? Starhouse is where the old Sonic used to be. They opened up a a Chinese slash wing place. Bro, they cooked the hell out of some wings. Really? And they're running their wings at about 60 cents a piece. And uh, if you don't believe it, me, we'll go when we get done here. I still believe that B-dubs is superior. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to get wings from a bunch of different places for the draft wing off. and bring it into the office while we draft. And we're going to have a wing off. Because I haven't eaten any. They do look good because two weeks ago um, I was at Trivia and the table that I that adopted me for their trivia team, they were like, look at this, look Dude. at this. And I'm like, what is that, B-dubs? And they're they're like, all right. They'd be like, Starhouse? Starhouse? Oh, you have you're not familiar with the competition. Uh, I don't know. Nothing we'll have to we'll have to roll over there. They, they can they they can do a wing. They're one week not gonna lie. from putting people on skates from putting B Dubs out of business. Like yes. if they put, it's oh, from, if they put, hey, they put a couple cute girls on skates. B Dubs lights out, baby. Because <laughs> it was the reason you don't know Trent is that was the old Sonic's location where they used to have the servers on skates. Yeah, but if like you got like. Oh, bounce, bounce, <laughs> bounce. You got somebody skating over to your car delivering those wings? Man, it's going to be tough competition. Agreed. 100%. So we came back and did extra radio so that you could wrap your story up about Tiger Woods yeah, and these much. kids at Dunham. You got to prop the rest of this up. You made the mistake of inside this studio saying, I'm going to say this, but I don't think I'm willing to say it on air. Oh, you got to say it. Tell me, UNC Duke, which is the better team this year in college basketball? Carolina's better. Duke and Carolina will probably split regular season. How many How many Bud Lights you had over there? Just one. <laughs> but if you look at our starting lineup, with, with the depth and the age on our players, I mean, I – if you look, a lot of people forget about how dope Kenny Williams is. I won't bore you with the details, but I will put out a challenge right now. Me and Robert Bricky are going to have a bet coming up here pretty soon because I know he's not going to back down from this. But Carolina will, again, like they do most times, make it further in the tournament than um, Duke does. I feel like they're a Final Four team. I think this – the second year of having probably the best recruiting class in the NCAAs and not making it anywhere is going to be an indictment in what Duke's doing with their basketball program. I mean, you can get ta- talent out on the floor, but unless you have some sort of you know synergy and consistency and like team participation, it just doesn't take you anywhere in the tournament. 
You might be able to put up a gaudy record when you're beating, I don't know, Boston College and Pitt twice a year or something like that. But getting into the tournament and getting somewhere, I, I'm picking Carolina as a Final Four team this year. Okay, so Cameron Johnson, Kenny Williams, Luke May, Nas Little. That's a pretty do- that's a pretty good start right there. Now you got your book, bu- bu- you, I guess your bigs, Seventh Woods. I'm Co- only if half, Kobe Wyatt. I'm only half joking when I say this, but outside of the state of North Carolina, the only one of those three names that anybody knows is Luke May. Seriously. So sell me on, and and, and I haven't hated on him as a productive college basketball player. I have said that if he's going to be the focal point of your offense, you're not a serious title contender. And I think that was brought to bear by the fact that they weren't a serious title contender when it came time for the NCAAs. So sell me player by player, tool by tool, on this Luke May-led UNC team? Because I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think that of the two teams, UNC and Duke, I think Luke May will be the closest thing to a National Player of the Year candidate that comes from either one of those teams. No, I don't think so at all. Actually, Luke May is going to be able to do what he was supposed to be able to do last year instead of switching his positions, having to guard centers at times. He's going to go back into that mode of being able to – be the second or third option in the offense. And I hope I'm wrong, but Nas Little is going to be probably top five players in the country when this season starts. All right, you're listening to Bonus Edition. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. You're listening to a hidden track on From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Ed Nichols. And it's funny, we're like, let's do another half hour. And then every one of us, as we come in and out of these breaks, is looking at our phones, playing on the computer. <laughs> I don't have any idea what we're going to talk about this last 15 minutes. Well, how minutes, can you but... not have something to talk about? We have the, the um, NFL, NFL popping up right now. I th- I'm super excited about it. We're about to have... Back, college basketball is already being played. Men's football is about to start playing. It's the best time of the year. Is it not the best time of the year? No. Fast forward three weeks from now, and that'll be the best time of the year. And well, then that's fast what I'm forward, about. In fact, I'm that's not about even true. Fast forward about a month and a half when basketball becomes a thing. Football is in full swing, and baseball is into the playoffs. That's the best sports time of the year for my money. I was talking about this month, not oh. exact this exact moment. <laughs> this, but what I'm trying to say month, is the I, month again, of September. But like, when's the last time you actually had? Look, I just watched the Wyndham golf tournament and was geeked up, right? Because I was 
I had no sports oxygen flowing my way. And I finally, that was my fix, was watching the Wyndham and Snedeker winning wire to wire. Now I'm hearing about NFL and stuff like that. I'm My juices are starting to flow a little bit. This is an exciting time. The temperatures are going to start to cool a little bit, hopefully. And now this is going to be one of the best times of the year. All right. So what we're going to do with this last 15 minutes, we're going to talk about fantasy football again. We started with fantasy in a roundabout sort of way with Josh Gordon. And what, what I'm asking you guys, if you have the number one pick in your fantasy draft, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Bueller? Bueller? Who's it going to be, Brandon? You go first. I think my number one pick would be. I mean, there really are only two or three players it can be. I know, Is it I know but I mean, I points actually, per reception. No, no I have. That gay look, I have stuff. the top three pick. You got the fourth. Okay, pick. but but number one, who who are you taking number one? Because it comes down to here, here's here's the short list. You've got Le'Veon Bell, who's been the odds-on favorite as the number one for I don't know three years now. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, who last year solidified himself as probably the top fantasy back out there, regardless of how you're playing points. Zeke Elliott, who's back without a suspension loom over his head, and David Johnson. Those are the consensus top four backs in every draft across the country. Now, you could make a case, depending upon how your scoring goes, Antonio Brown may need to be in that conversation. He is, without a doubt, the most surefire. This is non-PPR. Non-PPR. He is the most surefire of the receivers. Now, you you got some other guys, but Antonio Brown, you probably have to put in a class by himself. Quarterback-wise, if you really, really, really think I have to have the top quarterback in my league, Aaron Rodgers. Right. But what I'm telling you is top four picks – you have to go running back. Regardless of how your league is scored, running backs are still money because there's only about 40 of them that are going to give you any significant points. You need to get the best of that bunch. So, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, David Johnson, and Todd Gurley. Gurley. I think Does anybody want to add anybody else in that mix, or is that a definitive that's probably one, two, top three, four. four? That's probably top four. All right, so who you got number one? I think the safest pick of all of them is Zeke Elliott, and that's why I'll take him. He's safest and maybe not highest you know, potential, but you know you're going to get some good production out of him. Dak's pretty good at quarterback. O-line's okay. But I think he is – because there's questions. Bell, you know, how long it took him to get going last year. It was like four games in. Well, in fantasy football, you can't – have your number one pick or top four five pick no. be be gone for the first four games. He's still isn't he still holding out? Who? Le'Veon Bell? Yeah. No, he's in camp. He's in camp. So he's in camp, but it's been a long time. You just made that up like you didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know if he's in camp and then or David, not. He's in camp. David Johnson, since you want the the Atkins breakdown, the only reason you brought this topic up is so you could still like my thoughts. And you know this. Man. So David Johnson they're on Arizona Cardinals. Well, guess what? They're being predicted as lot, you know, one of the bottom five teams in the entire NFL. So that's a little weird. Plus, he's coming off the injury. Then you have Gurley, who I've had. I drafted him as a rookie. He blew up. Then they stacked the box. 
with like I don't know, it seemed like ten players at times. <laughs> Last year when he was, you were lucky enough to draft him where you got him. Wow, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa! So I'm thinking whoa, whoa. He, he's. I don't remember you saying that when you drafted him as a rookie. He was up that and you down. Were lucky to draft him. I went in there with a strategy and knew you knuckleheads would leave Gurley out there because Gurley was coming off a down year where he was banged up and teams were stacking nine in the box. I got Gurley exactly where I expected to get him, and it got exactly the production out of him that I thought I was going to get. Wasn't I lucky about that? You lucky. Oh. So, but I think Zeke Elliott is the player to get. I think. All right, so you're, you're going Zeke one. Trent, where you at with the number one? Pick? You just what, what, do you shut up, what do you think? What you got? I was thinking Zeke as well. To really? Be honest with you, he is the best offensive line. It's hard to He's going to be a workhorse. It's hard to argue against Zeke. I mean, every time if I go off of Gurley's great 2017, they're going to be more passing because they have Brandon Cooks now replacing Sammy Watkins. He just made, I don't know. So David Johnson, oh man, they were the worst rushing team in the NFL. Coming off an injury, I just don't trust the quarterback where they can't just stack the box and stop them. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's going to be good after what? Week four, he's going to be killing it. It's hard to argue against Zeke Elliott because Zeke, as much as people love and have fallen in love with Dak Prescott, that's not going to be an offense where they throw the ball around the yard all the time. Prescott is not that guy. Prescott is the guy that's going to beat you with his legs. He's going to make an occasional play down the field, but he's not going to stand in the pocket and pick you to death. It's a a run-first offense that Jason Garrett's got there in, in Dallas. So I think Zeke might be a good if we were going to give people you know a strategy going into their drafts as they are for the next week or two. I think Zeke is the number one overall pick is not bad. And I think if Bell reports to camp and gets in some preseason reps, then he'd be number one over Zeke. Well, Chris has already he said missed. he's in camp. No, Chris. Chris was. Is he not in camp still? No, he's not. Come on, are you? Bell had missed basically was horrible for four games and still led the uh yeah, he the league up after that. But the thing about it is attempts. that that's your number one offensive player on your fantasy team. So we just said if that you, Zeke Elliott is the number one overall pick. To yes. our listeners, take Zeke number one. Yes. Interesting. I completely disagree with you, Cats. All right, let's hear what I'm going to tell you right now, Todd Gurley, number one, period. There is no better fantasy player in 2018 <laughs> than Todd Gurley. Take Todd Gurley now and if you have the number one that, pick. And if he falls to you at two, three, four, five, six, or 7, take Todd Gurley, period. Do not hesitate. That's you're what prob- I'm telling you. You're probably going to get him with the fourth pick then. If I get him with the fourth pick in, in, the, in our draft, you all are done. That's it. Lights out. I don't even know where I'm picking, but... It doesn't matter. I'm going to beat you anyway. But I'm telling you right now, to me, Todd Gurley, not just because of the way that... that yes, are they a pass-first offense? Yes. So Saquon... But when they run the ball... Saquon Barkley can't tempt you at all? Barkley would tempt me. So Gurley is moved well, well, up. Let me... Let me uh, I'll put it to you like not this. Not as number one. The, not, we're the talking guys about top that, picks. The guys that, you, that we just named, Zeke, Gurley... Um, Johnson, Johnson, and Bell. After that, Saquon Barkley as the fifth best back out there. I'm tempted. No, I'm tempted. 
He is going to get more touches than he knows what to do with. I'm going to read you ESPN. I can't even tell you of, and I'm a deep football fan. I can't even tell you off the top of my head who another back on the Giants roster is. Orleans Darkwa? No, he is cut. Who? I mean, who is even on that roster? Let me show you how important the top five picks, six picks maybe, but top fix, top five picks are in this draft. ESPN is projecting Le'Veon Bell one. Todd Gurley moved up to number two. David Johnson, Zeke Elliott, um, Antonio Brown at five, Saquon Barley, Kamara at seven. Kamara at seven is danger close, sir. Julio Jones at eight, Odell Beckham at nine, and number 10, DeAndre Hopkins. And if I read you the next 10, you would see how like this draft is. Oh, there's a dramatic drop off, in particular with those with with those running backs and wide receivers. Because in that top ten, you didn't even have a quarterback pop their head in there, did you? No. Yeah, Rodgers is Rogers is probably in that 10, 11, 12, 13 range. But, yeah, once you come off that little hill right there, that's where you start making some money as a, as a fantasy football owner. Um, DeAndre Hopkins over A.J. Green, I might have a question with that, but I'd be happy with either one of them. Saquon Barkley, ESPN has it six. Told you so. They've got it right. Antonio Brown at five. The one player I have questions about is David Johnson because he's coming off the injury. Right. But I say that and I qualify it with the fact that David Johnson is a big back, so you don't lose any touchdowns because they don't take him out in fourth and goal situations or third and goal situations. He's not going to get touchdowns poached from him. So that's the thing with David Johnson. The question qualifies it. I don't well, know. and I'll tell you something kind of interesting about ESPN rankings. Um, they don't get to Aaron Rodgers until like pick 50 this year. Wow. That is kind of stunning. Yeah, Tune in next week and we'll tell you who they took ahead of Aaron Rodgers. You'll listen to From the Chief Seats. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.